here is our episode on the Russia-Ukraine conflict. And since this is a rapidly developing situation, as they like to say on the news, we have an addendum at the end of the episode with our updated takes since we recorded the episode last Wednesday night and it's now Sunday. So we're obviously not the only Marxist podcast to have predicted wrongly that Putin wouldn't invade the Ukraine. But I do think we're the only ones that recorded our episode about the situation at the exact moment that the invasion started. <laughs> yeah, I'll fucking own up to it. I was wrong. Yeah. I didn't. I really just honestly didn't expect him to invade. I didn't. I was wrong. So yeah, anyway, here's our Ukraine episode and stick around for the updates afterward. Turn up this podcast. I'm Mike, he, him. And tonight I'm here with Sterling, he, him. Ward, he, him. Jaron, he, him. And that's it. We don't have any guests. It's actually just the four of us. This is cool. <laughs> Boys are back in town. We don't do this anymore. It's always guests. I know we should. But so tonight we're uh, going to talk about Ukraine. It's obviously very topical. We are, I guess, invading Ukraine. That's what we're doing, right? The US is invading Ukraine. That's how it goes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> NATO expansion, you know, I think people have like, been warning about since like, I don't know, like late 90s. But no, I mean, obviously, ostensibly, Russia is invading Ukraine. We'll get into whether or not that's actually the case. But um, I just knew we had to talk about Ukraine because I went to my parents' house and my dad was like, I don't want this to be an hour long discussion, but like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and I was like, it's going to be an hour long discussion. I don't think there is a simple way to describe it because you have to get into so much history. And that's why what I've been doing is trying to direct people to better sources. Like the first thing I try to direct people to are the two episodes that Sharon did because I thought it was a pretty good deep dive into a lot of their recent and then somewhat less recent history of Ukraine. And, you know, who are the actors here and what their interests are? You know what I mean? Because I think that's the thing you have to understand. And it's funny when you talk to even like self-proclaimed leftists and progressive people, they just seem to support the exact U.S. military industrial complex narrative. When you get down to it, you ask them why. And it's like their reasons for it are just like Putin is a bad guy or Russia bad. And just like it has to be. You have to have a more nuanced state than that. It has to be better. Than that. So, I don't know. I put some things in the notes that we can address, like questions that we can ask. But what do you think, Jaron? Like, where do you start with people, I guess? I mean, I usually start with my, my like, personal anecdote because I don't know how much you just want to go in off the top. But, like, I started following this in 2014. So, like, about eight years ago. And I remember I was on Twitter at, like, 3.30 in the morning, 4 in the morning or something. And it was during the protests held in Ukraine. They were like pro-EU, anti-Russian Federation. And it was largely peaceful protests. And then all of a sudden, like violence just started. And it was people who were dressed in military fatigues. Like I was watching a live stream, all black military fatigues, helmets, that kind of shit. And just like completely blowing up Marinsky Park, which I don't know if y'all remember the photos from Ukraine in 2014. Marinsky Park had that like circular fountain that was just blackened from ash. Mm hmm. And then months went by and they were like, yeah, the civilians just started like rioting and the military had to put them down. And I'm like, that is not what I saw. Mm -hmm. Like the U.S. was telling us what the Civil War was months later. And I'm like, no, I like watched the Ukrainian live stream because I'm an insomniac. And you're literally 
contradicting what I saw happen. So that was like my introduction to it. Yeah. I mean, so, Jaren, do you have like a infographic explainer on what the Maidan revolution was about in 2014? Yeah. So basically, and this, this is just modern history like 2014. So, because Ukraine has a complicated ass history beyond this. But Ukraine was, even though it wasn't part of the Soviet Union, it was still associated with the Russian Federation, which is like, you know, the Russian version of the EU, if you will. It's a trade block. And there was a bunch of Ukrainian citizens that wanted to be aligned with the EU. And of course, the other half of Ukraine wanted to stay with the Russian Federation. So there's opposing protests in Ukraine about which trade block they want to be with. And this had gone on from like, you know, 2010 until 2014, gaining momentum. And then in 2014, there were all these different protests around the world. This one just happened to be going on at the same time. And that's when this event happened that I mentioned, where these people in paramilitary garbs came in and turned a previously peaceful protest into what became a civil war. And then, of course, the United States starts throwing its hat in the ring and saying, this is what happened as soon as it comes out that the State Department under Hillary Clinton and uh, you know, during Barack Obama's presidency, they were funneling money to militias in Ukraine. So I kept following this story as the years went on, and it just got weirder and weirder. So they're funding these, these militant groups in Ukraine, classic U.S. fashion. They find the most crazy right-wing people they can find who happen to be, in this case, neo-Nazis with, like, full-on black flags, um, you know, Swazis, the whole nine yards, specifically. The it was a popular one. Yeah, yeah. And that's, they had, uh, the primary runners here was the Svoboda Nationalist Party and the Azov Battalion who are just racist as fuck and awful. So fast forward to the Trump presidency, and we start seeing more articles about Ukraine. There's one good thing Donald Trump did in his presidency, and that's that he was compromised by the Russians. So mm -hmm. he staved this off for about four years, but the groups in Ukraine were still active. So in a twist of irony, a bunch of United States right-wing militias saw what was going on in Ukraine that started under Obama, approved of it, and went over there to train, including but not limited to, I think, called the Rise Against Movement, who was American right-wing Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> they went over there to train with, with Ukrainian Nazis, along with a bunch of people from, like, the Czech Republic and wherever else Nazis wanted to come from, train with the Ukrainians, come back to the United States, and they planned terror attacks. I think three of them actually got convicted for planning massive attacks. So... Even though Trump staved off the Russian, quote, war, his followers were going to learn from the Nazis that Obama armed. Mm -hmm. um, and then I said privately to Blaine a while ago, like, if an establishment Democrat gets back into power, we're just going right back into this Cold War mess, which is exactly what we did. I mean, shit, dude. I said on the Chris Hawley episode, as much as we don't like to cite that one, it was right after Biden had won, before he was inaugurated. And we're like, we were trying to make predictions. What, what do you think Biden is going to do in an office? And I'm like, he's going to start another fucking war. And <laughs> a month and a half ago, we would have said Taiwan. And we've just cycled that fast. You know, now we're just, we shifted to Ukraine because it seemed like the Taiwan one didn't really take off, I guess, in the media. I'm not sure why. And I'm sure there's a ton of reasons for that that we are not, we're not privy to. But the Taiwan ramp up didn't really do it. Afghanistan left a big hole. And now we need to ramp it up somewhere. So Ukraine is the guy. I do want to sort of pick at what's going on exactly at this moment that I guess it's causing it. Because I know I hear a lot about the pipeline. What do you call it? Nord Stream 2 or whatever it is. And that's like, I know, a big factor in this. It is funny. Something I put in our notes that we could address that's kind of odd is that 
there seems to be a division even among conservatives, like whether to be in favor of Putin, which is like the Trump conservatives. They really seem to be in favor of whatever, anything that Putin is doing. And I think neoliberals are going to constantly point at us and say that we're actually secretly them, that we're actually secretly like fighting for Trump online because we think that Putin actually should like cede a bunch of territory from some fascists that, you know, the U.S. armed or whatever. But it's like, then there are the hardcore conservatives. And I put a screenshot in the notes, Jaron, that you should see. It was like a screenshot from 4chan. And it was these people, they were saying, uh, oh, oh, the guy that was dropping. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so he's F- so pissed. He goes everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. He goes this. It's a picture of Joe Biden. He goes this effing F slur just gave Putin the go ahead to invade the entire fucking country of Ukraine. What is wrong with Americans? This is the fall of the USA empire. And so then, then some American responds to him. Gives like a play-by-play of Biden's speech. Shows up two hours late. Slurs words for four minutes. How Putin said, whatever man Russia history is, F shit anyway. I'm not even going to talk about it. Waltzes away while ignoring the journalists, you know, combined with a slur for Jewish people. And then it says Putin's going to kill himself after that badass speech. Obviously being ironic and sarcastic, but it's like, that's the far right's interpretation of this, is that the U.S., and this is my interpretation as well, is that the U.S. is no longer able to flex its power the way it always could and the way it's been used to. And I, I keep bringing up the situation that you mentioned on the podcast previously, Jaron, which is that when Iran wanted to sell oil to Venezuela and the U.S. was like, we're going to fucking stop you from doing that, and then couldn't, and then just looked like a fucking chihuahua, like, walking away with his tail between its legs. And it's like, that's a fucking good thing. But if anybody thinks that, like, the U.S. losing ground as far as its grip on the world is going to look good in the U.S. media, like, get real. Like, it's not going you're to be. Right. Like, you're always going to think that, <laughs> that this is a terrible thing that's going on. And you're always, like, and I get it. You're, you're supposed to think that Putin's a bad guy. You're supposed to think that this is a terrible, terrible tragedy. But it's like, no, this is probably cool. I don't know. Go ahead, go ahead Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, that is really kind of the crux of it to me is it's kind of ironic. Like, the Cold War lasts the entirety of, like, the United States being this megalithic, superstructural power. And nothing happens. And then, like, on the wane of U.S. hegemony, they're like, yeah, we should probably do World War III. And it's like, are you insane? (laughs) But uh, I don't want to hog too much of what's going on. But I will say, like, part of what I found in, you know, following this for so long is there's a serious difference between Russia versus the United States and China insofar as being a superpower. And that's that in order to judge a nation's strength, you should look to its navy. That's part of the reason the UK was so powerful for so long. Did you have something, Sterling? A quick thing, and then another thing I'll probably piggyback off of you. But the Putin thing, and I really, I couldn't tell you the last time I've watched mainstream news. So I only have caught clips of all this stuff going on, but what I've mainly caught is just dumbass conservatives, because I live in Georgia, that just will say, so what do you think about, you know, Biden uh, handing the Ukraine to Russia? And I'm like, well, A, I'm completely out of the loop, but I'm in the loop to know that you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so, I was like, that whoever, I told, yeah, whoever told you that, I'd stop listening to them immediately because I don't need to look at any news source to know that Biden, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not even going to entertain it. So... I'm always like, look, I obviously I'm a big USSR fan. I'm a big Russia fan. <laughs> yeah, if we don't get at least one beating off to the Soviet <laughs> Union per episode. But I don't think anyone here is guilty of standing for the uh, Federation, at least not last time I, I gauged the temperature. Um, 
And to me, it, it's kind of, was it you or was it Jaron who said like the Federation is basically just an alternative trading block. Yep. And that's a, a very fair way to put it. So that's a capitalist model, which I don't think any of us are into. So I look at the Federation about exactly the same as I look at the US or as I look at the UK or the EU. Like it, it's more or less all the fucking same to me. So I don't give a fuck what imperialist nation is sucking out the lifeblood of the ukraine to me it's it's pretty bad either way so when someone's like oh no the eu lost its fucking stranglehold of the ukraine and russia has got it what will we do who what (laughs) go ahead the only reason i've argued and i've shocked some personal friends of mine and saying that you know somebody said a stronger russia coming out of this is not the solution i don't think i'm like i think that's preferable to what either the current situation which is like the u.s kind of dominating the ukraine um, if they reclaim Donetsk and Lubansk or, whatever, or Lugansk, you know, Ukraine takes that back. Well, then, then that goes back to the status quo and is actually leaving the U.S. stronger because it looks like they've won something again. So I actually think yeah. Russia keeping those two territories actually is better just in the sense that it creates more. And somebody in a Reddit comment I'm stealing from this is that like most of the support for Putin in this situation or for Russia comes from just it's that critical support for just wanting more multipolarism as far as the world stage goes. It's yeah. like the yeah. less power the U.S. has, the better because it means it goes to somebody else. And the more people who have it, the better. Like, the more countries that have control over different areas than rather just the fucking U.S., whether it's known or unknown, whether it's outward or secret, that's, that's just better if the U.S. has less power. That's all. Yeah, and, and I agree. And to me, it's like, it's like arguing, you know, the U.S. occupation of South Korea. And it's like, it's the exact fucking same thing. We've got this huge military foothold, and you think South Korea just happens to be pro-U.S. and pro-U.S. you know US version of capitalism. It's not the insane military presence and basically trade with us at the barrel of the gun. Like, not to mention, it, like, it, they literally... So, I, <laughs> this is embarrassing. I clarified this because of a fucking Jeopardy question the other day, but it's like, North and South Korea signed a pact to end the Korean War back in, like, 2014, and it hasn't happened, only because of the U.S., like, it literally is yeah. the meme, the I consent and I consent, and then the U.S. is off in the corner saying, but I don't. Like, it's literally yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was talking to my cousin the other day, and we were talking about North and South Korea, and he's like, well, you know, if the U.S. pulled out, the North would just, you know, take over it and reoccupy it. And I was like, you know, uh, right now there's a public poll, and it's 65% of both sides are pro-reunification. And he goes... Yeah, but it's not really the people that make the calls, right? And I was like, right. That's kind of that's the problem. The problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 the problem. I'm glad I'm glad you found that out. Man, like, that is reaching <laughs> around your elbow to get to your asshole right there. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was like, yes, you have identified the specific problem. Um, so yeah, it's like the, I think it's the same with the Ukraine. There is a lot of the people in the Ukraine that would rather you know be under Russia, but. Russia would love to just, and hell, maybe they've already done this again. I have not been watching the fucking news, but Russia would love to just go in there and, you know, put a few military bases and basically have their own South Korea thing going. And, you know, everyone play nice and don't worry about all of our military presence. And I I feel like Russia is a little late to the imperialism game. I feel like whereas the U.S. is still kind of doing that with South Korea, they've kind of backed off of that stage of colonialism. And they've kind of went more for imperialism. And I think that's kind of like, you know, the difference between England and the UK when the UK be, became so effective at what they did in history is 
Colonialism is when you go in and you actually take the land and you, so you get the resources, you get the wealth, you get the, you know, cheap labor, you get all of the things with it. But with colonialism, you also get the negative effects. You also get, you know, the having to keep up the land, having to maintain the government, having to, you know, pay bills and, you know, write laws, amend laws and, you know, deal with wars and shit that colonialism gets really fucking hands-on and costly and it, when these nations came up with imperialism, where they could just go in and basically implant a bunch of foreign investors, you know, military goes in, stirs the whole pot, they get a bunch of foreign investors in there, and then they get the money without having to take any of the fucking bad shit. I mean, that's that's way more effective, and that's why a lot of these nations have have went more the imperialism way versus the colonialism way. Is you, you you get the good without the bad in a lot of ways. Yeah, and sometimes you have to have a little bit of a military presence. But I think Russia is kind of still making that transition. And I think to me, that's what the Ukraine looks like is it looks a little dated. It's like you're you're trying to do imperialism, capitalism, the old school way of doing it. And that's why I don't see longevity in it, even if they were to be effective. And I don't see the U.S. caring that much unless it starts such a fucking conflict between like, them in the EU that somehow the US gets to go in and clean house and just say, okay, Russia gone, but sadly so is the EU. This is actually US territory now. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we should, as materialists, we have to touch on the all the economic aspects, right? So we have to talk about this Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which I think is a huge part of it. And I was gonna ask Ward if you happen to know anything about it. Now nah, I've been so out of life, bro. <laughs> I if ask, I could yeah. jump in on that before we do economics, this is just this plays to Sterling's point, though, is that there is a significant difference between you know the UK model and even the US imperialism model and what Russia is doing. Namely, the the location is important and the time period is important because you know whoever's listening to this, pull up a map online right now of Russian military bases. China has this massive coastline. And it can deploy its navy from there. The U.S. has two massive coastlines just peppered with military bases. Russia's primarily landlocked. And the only military bases that it has are the White Sea, which is frozen over half the year. There's a bunch of them that are like out towards the EU. But if there were war with the EU or NATO, for that matter, they couldn't get to their military bases. And then the remaining options, there was a, a Russian base in Tartus in Syria, which the Syrian civil war lined up very coincidentally with the Ukrainian civil war, if you think about it. Womp womp. And then the, the final one is, is in Sevastopol in Ukraine. So really what, in my mind, we're seeing is less of a Russian land grab and more of Russia saying, we cannot give up this military base. We can't give up this key piece of strategy because if we do, we're landlocked. If you can't get ships out, you can't get planes out. NATO's expanding westward. I forget how many countries were added to the NATO roster after the Warsaw Pact dissolved. So Russia's saying, you know, you're adding all these countries to stave us off and also removing our ability to have a functional military. If they lose the Black Sea, they lose the ability to be a superpower. That's what this is about. And yeah, do I think Russia's being totally ethical about it? No, but that's not really the fucking point. To me, Russia's trying to preserve a sense of national safety. You know, this would be akin to like, how would the United States do if China sponsored, you know, a bunch of, I don't know, Chinese terrorists in Juarez, Mexico, mm -hmm. that just came up and like took SoCal from us? Can you imagine? <laughs> you know? 
the nukes would have already flown. There's there's not a comparison to be made between these different superpowers and their forms of quote imperialism. To me, this is just Russia being like, well, if we can't get ships out, there's no good faith guarantee that you're not just going to balkanize us. Yeah, no, that's a good point. No, it's funny, Jaron. I think I remember you saying something to that effect, if not that same kind of explainer, about a year ago, when there were some like tensions that were very similar at the time. This kind of stuff is old hat. And I, I don't think it's outlandish for this podcast to say that maybe the U.S. is the aggressor. Maybe the U.S. is not like the nice guy in the situation. I don't know. Oh, dude, we, the fucking U.S. is accusing like Russia of wanting to invade Ukraine. Meanwhile, like getting caught having subs within territorial waters of Russia. Dude, it's so clear. <laughs> what was that meme? I think Mike posted it where it's. Juan Guaido just declares himself president oh, yeah. of Ukraine. That was, that was so good. Yeah, I forget who, who said that on Twitter, but that was hilarious. Jaren, the cartel-like comparison. That's what I've been using to like explain it to people that are like, dude, they're arming their border. I was like, okay, if Russia was like backing some like anti-US cartels and we started like reinforcing the Texas border, would that be like a rational thing to do? Yeah? Okay, that's like what's happening there because we're funneling it to fucking neo-Nazis. Over there, yeah. I've been doing that for quite some time. You're breaking up real bad for me. Okay, I'm glad it wasn't just me. Okay, oh, I was yeah. breaking up. Fuck. Yeah, you're just like slow. You sound like you're coming through on like a dial-up. You can't just bandwidth shame people like that, man. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll wait till word comes back, but I do want to ask people like, what are your responses to like, oh, what you support Putin, bro? Like he's he's a bad guy, bro. He's like a gangster. He's like a billionaire. He hates gay people. Like he does hate gay people. Sure, he does. <laughs> sure he's a bad guy but it's like it doesn't mean i like i'm not a fan of putin better can you hear me now no no that reason oh shit yeah i mean to me when people say stuff like that about putin i just remember why i love being a communist and that i don't have to defend people that i don't care to defend and putin is one of them yeah i'm just like cool think whatever the fuck you want about putin because i don't give a shit about putin either mm-hmm and I'm not here to fucking educate every single person, especially on leaders of nations that are really... Yeah, but I mean, for the purposes of this podcast, I do. I would like to give people like a quick explanation. Yeah, like, like what, you support Putin, bro? Like, Ward, I don't know if you have a, a thing that you've been saying to people when they ask, like, why are you supporting Putin? Oh, I just said, like, straight up, I'm like, Putin's bad. Like, I'm not fucking saying I'm pro-Putin yeah. at all. But the U.S. <laughs> is so fucking bad. Oh, so much more. That it makes it look like I'm supporting Putin. Yeah, but you are still really breaking up. And I think yeah, I'm gonna restart saying, my computer. I think <laughs> what you're saying between words is that you support Putin. That's what I got from that. Yep. Hundred <laughs> percent. So this just in Ward's official position on Putin is fanboy. Uncritical support. And yeah, I uncritical. personally love Orthodox Christianity. <laughs> There's nothing I like more than seeing an infant just dunked into water violently over and over again. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, if, only, if only that was the worst thing that happened to children at those churches. <laughs> You're right. I, I was tame. I was tame with that. Yeah. Ward is just frozen in his bewilderment of Putin. But yeah, I mean... I don't give a shit about Putin. I don't give a shit about the Federation. But yeah, I guess we we should have some takes. I mean, so I guess my question is, and I know you were kind of getting around to this a little bit, Jerem, but 
what do you think the end game of like most of the Ukraine is looking for? I mean, do you kind of have an idea of what their preference is? I mean, it, it seems like they're pretty split down the middle. And from what I know about the Ukraine, especially on like the EU side where they have been heavily invaded by, you know, Orthodox Christianity or Catholicism, I think is actually the more popular over there. I feel like that pushes people towards imperialism and capitalism and, and any nations that are that are that brand. I feel like that's what's so deceitful about Christianity and Catholicism is that it's the Trojan horse of imperialism and white nationalism. I feel like it goes in first under the guise of, you know, we're going to make this a better place. But what it really does is makes you okay with just being exploited because, you know, you give us all your money, you're going to get repaid in the next life. Like, it, it yep. sounds like the worst pyramid scheme anyone's ever pitched you, but for some reason it works. Like, you just give me everything you got, son, and once you're dead, uh, it's all coming back. It's all coming back tenfold, streets of gold, Duncan babies, you name it. What are you into? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty damn accurate. I, like... <laughs> I'll say this much as I think the majority of Ukrainian citizens are like us. I think that the majority of Ukrainian citizens just want a functional fucking country where they can live out their lives in peace. But if we're talking about what do the various political sides want, it's split down the middle. So this was actually interesting because a couple Marxist pages that I follow were posting about how there are Russian affiliated neo-Nazi groups too over in the Eastern republics, specifically the, the Rusich neo-Nazi regiment. And that's true. There are neo-Nazis on both sides because Ukraine is a festering shit show of neo-Nazis. So if you want to hire a local militia, you pick a neo-Nazi and go with it. But these two neo-Nazi groups are fighting with each other, and here's why. This is going to answer your question. The extremists over on the EU dominant side are staunch nationalists, ethnocentrists, but they are still secular for the most part. Yeah. You know, they're catholic and but they also will accept you know they were like the nazis were you don't have to be christian you just have to be white the ones over on the eastern side the ones in the breakaway republics they are also nazis but they believe in strictly orthodox christian nazism and they believe that russia should be an orthodox christian state and that there should be a new russia that is orthodox christian centric so we have these two nazis colliding with each other and then when people ask me, well, you know, how can you pick a side when they both have Nazis? I came up with this when I was really drunk yesterday. Okay, well, imagine there's a recipe to make a cake, and two people are going to make this cake. And one person makes the cake and just bakes some dog shit into it, just because they felt like baking some dog <laughs> shit into a cake. And then yeah. somebody else baked their cake, and it just, you know, they had nowhere else to really bake it, so they had to bake it on some dog shit. There was no choice, no counter space, mm -hmm. only dog shit. Mm -hmm. They both have dog shit, so I don't want to eat either one. But the guy that intentionally cooked it with dog shit, there's something wrong with that guy. Okay. <laughs> like, if you intentionally cook it with some dog shit, not because you had to, but because you wanted to, there's something wrong with you. I see where you're going with this. So the U.S. Right. picking the ones that intentionally incorporate. The U.S. took a big mound of dog shit and just cooked it up with their cake. With Russia, they have two small little republics that are populated, unfortunately, by crazy racists. 
and they kind of have to use that playbook if they want to keep their military base. Ostensibly, the U.S. We have no business in Ukraine. Yeah, <laughs> but that's our argument. It's like, oh well, they have military here, so we gotta we gotta protect them by putting our military there. And if we happen to get some uh, gas deals out of it, <laughs> so then okay. With that being the case, then what differentiates us from any of the anarchists who are like, well, then just don't support either side because uh, Russia is also bad, so both sides should lose, or just don't support either one. It's like, well. I'll answer my own question. It's like, you're already living in the U.S. and you are materially supporting the U.S. So that's out the window. Not supporting either side is not fucking happening. Like, as long as you're here paying taxes, surviving in the U.S., your labor and your time and your energy is going towards supporting the U.S. military efforts in Ukraine and to support NATO. So the least you could do, if I think, you, is... Okay, to, so you're saying to all of our listeners paying taxes, by doing so, you are helping the U.S. invade Ukraine and you should be ashamed of yourself. Well, I mean, just recognize that as a fact and then... Possibly do whatever you can to counteract that, whether it's like just morally or if you can materially. I don't know how you would, but like, just become sovereign citizens, comrades. Do (laughs) practice. Heard it here first on Turn Left's podcast. (laughs) Tax evasion is the only way you can actually help the Ukraine. Get out of your armchairs. (laughs) Moreover, my point is just that realize that, like, if you are staying silent on social media, staying silent to everyone you talk to in your real life about like the U.S.'s efforts militarily anywhere in europe and you think that that makes you neutral it's like no you're already helping them a lot it's like your neutrality is helping the u.s so you should just be vocally against whatever u.s's interests are for that reason yeah and i mean never mind to throw flack at any anarchist that would say some shit like that i know there's different feelings about machno and machnovians but let us not forget that they were terrifically good at destroying nationalist capitalist assholes in the ukraine they managed to do that quite well. And Ukraine has always had, because again, we look at geography, it's, it's a trading port. That is a trading port country. They've always had tons of syndicates of people taking advantage of them over and over again. Whether or not Makhno fucked up in the end is irrelevant to the fact that Makhno beat the holy fucking shit out of every single one of those people in the Ukraine and allowed the Soviets to absorb it into what would become the Soviet Union. Like, if, if you are not taking the side of the people who are actually Eastern European, even if they're still kind of fucked up, you're just an asshole. Because, again, it's really easy to me. Like, anarchists are supposed to be about regional interests, humanitarian interests of people from the region. The U.S. has none of those things over there. We're <laughs> on a different fucking continent. Like, you can't not take a side in this and say that you're like a people's revolutionary. You're just an asshole. Like, (laughs) one of these things is not equal to the other. Unless you have a military base, and then, you know, all of a sudden you got a foot in the door, and then it's okay, (laughs) and you should get some of that gas money. (laughs) Yeah, just put a little poop in the cake. (laughs) I, I I think I completely agree with Jaron, and I think that's the best point he just said right there, especially with people who are like, you're just taking Putin's side if you're not taking the U.S.'s side. Is No, actually, you're doing the exact thing you're talking about. You're just anti-Putin, and that's causing you to take the U.S.'s side without acknowledging the U.S.'s fault. The other people who are critiquing the U.S. and potentially taking Russia's side are acknowledging Russia's faults, and they're doing a lot more than you. And I think it's like what Jaron was saying, where the country is a trading port. Obviously, obviously everyone around them and even one 
country I won't name by name that isn't even around them wants control of that trading port. That is a valuable piece of land that anyone would benefit from. And not a single one of those countries are volunteering to help that country remain sovereign. So at the end of the day, if you're supporting the U.S., who clearly has no intentions of helping the Ukraine be sovereign, then get the fuck out of the conversation. Like, what are you even debating it for? Why are you even having an opinion if you're blaming Russia, but yet you are supporting the country who is actively preventing the Ukraine from having sovereignty? You're literally saying Joe Biden's letting the fucking Russia come in and just take them and, and in turn take away their sovereignty. But your solution is that the U.S. should just go in and do that exact same thing. I mean, Sterling, you sound very much like Caitlin Johnston. I think that's a, a lot of her points when it comes to Jesus most. Uh, Christ, I don't, I don't need a compliment that big. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, in your Sterling way, like she's obviously, you know, carefully picking her words, but like you're getting at the general idea, which is that, like, even if you think that you're some kind of like, oh, I'm just being objective and I don't really have a hand in this and I don't support any side. It's like, well, then yeah. you're supporting fucking U.S. hegemony, whether you realize it or not. Yep. I, I did listen to some of the True On episodes about Ukraine again, just to kind of refresh myself in preparation for tonight. Some notes that I jotted down were that the word Ukraine itself means land near the border. And it's like entire identity was created relative to Russia by Russia. Like Russia itself was founded in what is now Kiev. And East and West Ukraine were under control of various empires for a long time. But then recent Ukrainian national identity was formed kind of by the fascists in World War II. It's like that's where you get all these like Bandera stands and everything. They use the example in their episode about this city called Ilviv. It's LVIV. And this is apparently, according to like their expert on Ukraine, again, go listen to these episodes if you want to hear this all explained in depth. These are just some things that I jotted down. So, this city, Ilviv, was the heart of Ukrainian fascism. And it was like a Jewish and Polish populated city until the Ukrainian nationalists exterminated and replaced all these people. So, now it's a mostly Ukrainian populated city. Funny how that works, but like that does not come up in any of the, um, the pleas for Ukrainian sovereignty or the identity of the Ukrainian people from the anarchists here. It's like, what is that identity? Where did that start? Like, who, who is that identity tied to? Look at the symbols that those uh, Ukrainian identitarians are using. I mean, that's kind of telling. They also mentioned that the OUN, which is the Ukrainian fascist organizations, they were under Stepan Bandera. And this was in Nazi-occupied Krakow in April 1941, just before Operation Barbarossa. Bandera decreed that Ukraine's salute would be Glory to Ukraine, glory to the heroes, but in Ukrainian, so however that translates. American newscasters will still use the Ukrainian version of that on the news today in support of Ukraine, because again, all U.S. media is in support of Ukraine right now, no matter how fascist they are, no matter how many wolf angels they wave around. And they don't even see like how reminiscent that is of the Heil Hitler, Sig Heil salute. It's like the exact same thing. It was modeled after that intentionally. So they're just like fucking American news just saying this Ukrainian fascist salute. Yeah, did you see the news article where it was like the soldier like training like the grandma how to shoot? Of course, yeah. yeah it's I like Jews <laughs> Azov battalion with the fuck all the patches on and everything. It's like, dude, that was my boy Gleb Freikor. Yeah, I would say if we let anyone take control of the Ukraine, I think we can all agree that out of all the superpowers around them, it's better to just let them go under China's wing. I mean. Compared to most of the other options, if you're not going to let them be sovereign and that's not allowed, then just introduce them to Daddy G and it's going to be a much better outcome than anything else. Maybe we can get rid of some of that fucking Catholicism. Yeah, right. Get them some Belt and Road. Get them the infrastructure. She'll be lit. Yeah. yeah. 
We could read some Caitlin Johnston. I, I was going to hand it to Ward, but Ward is still breaking up, so I guess I'll read. Damn. Yeah, Ward. How dare you, buddy? How dare you have bad internet? <laughs> I think I'm good with my video on. Off. Nope. But nope. Nope, not at all. Just kidding. Yeah. Ha! <laughs> you fucking hot. <laughs> Let me read a little bit from this article. came out today. It's from Caitlin Johnstone. And it's called, No, Actually, the U.S. Empire is Still the Power to Criticize. And it's from her series, Notes from the Edge of the Narrative Matrix. I believe that the situation in Ukraine is a crisis created solely by Moscow, and that the U.S. Power Alliance is just an innocent little flower who is being unfairly blamed. I also believe Santa is real because I'm a tiny little child who will believe anything. After watching, the way, <laughs> after watching the way the U.S. and its allies have been handling the Ukraine situation, how confident are you that they can be trusted to navigate all these dangerous Cold War escalations without inadvertently triggering a nuclear exchange? I'm not in the slightest bit confident myself. I keep seeing people on the left making awkward, labored statements condemning Russia's Donbass intervention in these weird, quote, look at me, I can criticize Putin just like I criticize the U.S., quote, performances that they're clearly only putting on to avoid accusations of Kremlin loyalty. And that's just silly. The U.S. empire is still the power structure one's criticism should be focused on, no matter how badly empire apologists yeah. wish it weren't so. And, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, anytime you guys want to jump in, go for it. I can always uh, stop, but... I, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. And this is what I mean, Sterling. Like, I think this is a lot of the same kind of stuff you're saying. It's just, like, Caitlin Johnstone and her magic she's, is yeah, in she's her. Just, she's smarter. Yeah, that's, that's the word you're looking for. Smarter. <laughs> no, I mean... I, <laughs> but if you sat down, if you took the time every day, I think you'd be right here. Yeah. So what Mike's saying is she's not Sterling. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Don't feel pressured to denounce Russia's actions just to make a show of appearing impartial. If you understand that the U.S. empire both A, created this problem, and B, is many orders of magnitude worse than Russia, then stand by that. Because oh. you're right and they're wrong. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I think that's more in line with my point. My point was, yes, I'm, I'm not taking Russia's side here primarily because I've done no research on this whatsoever. Yeah. So it, it would be foolish for me to take any, to take Russia's side without even knowing what Russia's side actually is. But to ever take the U.S.'s side over anyone, if the literal devil was involved here, <laughs> if Satan himself manifested, manifested and, you know, put in a call for Ukraine and said, <laughs> you know what, I think, I think I'll take this. I'd go devil before the U.S. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, I'm, eternal, I'm eternal hell doesn't sound so bad <laughs> you know, compared compar to the shit the U.S. is doing. <laughs> war is war and hell is hell. And of the two, war is a lot worse. How do you figure that, Hawkeye? Easy, Father. Who goes to hell? Sinners, I believe. Exactly. There are no innocent bystanders in hell. But war is chock full of them. Little kids, old ladies. In fact, except for a few of the brass, almost everybody involved is an innocent bystander. Yeah, so you're, tell you're telling me that I can go suffer eternal damnation for only the sins I've committed personally. I'm only going to live, you know, a life in payment of my own mistakes, and I can just do that forever, versus this life where I live for a couple thousand people's mistakes over the world. Like, there's this small fraction of humans that control this whole goddamn thing, have all the capital, call all the shots on all the politicians, and we all have to suffer their sins fucking daily for the rest of until we crack the core of this planet and destroy the whole fucking thing. 
I don't know. Hell kind of sounds better than that. I mean, I was wondering where you're going. I really was wondering where that was going to end up because you were like on sense like Sterling, you've been on some religious shit lately. And I was like, where is he going with this? And then, but you brought it back down to like the evangelical anti-imperialist take, which I've never even thought of before. And it's kind of cool. I'm here for it. No, I mean, you're fucking right, though. There is like, because Christianity is the innate tie between, you know, Western imperialism and capitalism, they're inextricable. Specifically, you know, Protestant Christianity here in the United States, but like Catholicism to a lesser degree. And then, of course, the orthodoxy. But like that, that connection is definitely there. Oh, and also, if you apologize for the bad things you did, you don't burn anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> loopholes. I do love that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can apologize for uh, for Halliburton. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And Dick Cheney will never fucking die, so like... Yeah. But, but apparently we're all apologizing for fucking Putin. Mm. Well, back to apologizing for Putin. I'll, I'll go back to this. <laughs> so she says, if you understand that the U.S. empire both A, created this problem, and B, is many orders of magnitude worse than Russia, then stand by that, because you're right and they're wrong. It's so stupid how the Overton window of acceptable debate has moved so far in favor of the empire that we're now expected to treat this very mild step by Moscow like it's on equal footing with the worst atrocities of the most powerful and destructive government on Earth. Imperial narrative management has made people feel so ashamed and apologetic for criticizing the empire that they'll seize even the dopiest opportunity to show everyone that they're not some kind of Russian troll or secret agent or whatever. It's dumb, it's debasing, and it should stop. Focusing one's criticisms on the most powerful and destructive government on Earth requires no justification and no apology, and it's certainly nothing to feel ashamed of. It's not strange and suspicious that you do it, it's strange and suspicious that more people don't. The U.S. is the very last government on this entire planet who has any business talking about respecting the sovereignty of other nations. Absolute dead last. Pointing out things the U.S. has done while it shrieks about the actions of a foreign government will get you accused of whataboutism. But it's not a whataboutism. It's pointing out that the U.S. is the absolute least qualified government on Earth to comment on the issue at hand. It's not actually legitimate to constantly violate international law all around the world and then cry when another nation does it. You don't get to make the rules meaningless and then bitch when they're treated like they're meaningless. That's not a thing. <laughs> I mean, she puts it so well. <laughs> Based. It's really not about hypocrisy. Being hypocritical is no great evil in and of itself. What it's about is actively creating an environment which causes these things to happen and then shrieking bloody murder when they happen. It's about placing the blame exactly where it belongs. If you want nations to respect international law, step one is to cease being the single worst violator of international law in the entire world. Base. <laughs> it's like base. base. It's like, when she says this stuff, it's like literally, oh, duh, like fucking duh. And it's like, <laughs> why is every news store saying exactly this? It's like because they cannot, because they're Operation Mockingbird could bullshit. You, mm -hmm. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if CNN, like, just someone sitting on CNN, and oh like, yeah, you God. know, it's, it's bad, but you know, maybe we shouldn't do it either. Yeah. You know, we, we agree it's bad. Perhaps <laughs> we also should not be bad. So that would be, that would be that meme where there's like a boardroom meeting and they're all giving suggestions. <laughs> and the guy at the end of the table is like, we should do this. And they fucking chuck him out the window. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think about this to explain to somebody in my comments earlier. I want to just break it down to the level of like, if you're in a room and one big dude just starts beating up on everybody all the time, and then he does this for fucking years to the point where he controls the entire room where now everybody in the room is working for him. Everything that you do is benefiting this dude all day, every day. And then some other big dudes start like a group this, and they want to take down this. This is called thing. every business, Mike. Okay, this is well, every business. We all have this. No, I'm having, I'm having a new movie or a series like Squid Game, but it's called The Room. It's like, you know, it's, it's basically Squid Game. 
It's called everyone's life. <laughs> but like, so then imagine there's like some people, they start to band together and they're going to take down this big dude. You're over on the sidelines here. Again, you're still paying this big dude all day, every day. And you see these other people who are about to take down big dude. And you heard that maybe they don't like gay people. And you're like, well, I don't want to take sides here. I know they're fighting. And this, these other people, they could free me from the big dude's tyranny forever. But I'm not going to back them. I'm not taking any sides, but I'm going to continue paying big dude all day, every day. Is That's the, what's going on here. It's the same like. smooth brain time as if you beat a Nazi, you're the real Nazi. Yeah. It's, it's the same fucking trope. It's like it doesn't mean that you support the group of other people who don't like gay people. It's just like it might be good if they took down Big Dude to help everybody. It just it might be good. But it's funny because I'm saying that because Caitlin Johnson goes on to create the same kind of analogy. So continuing, she says, when she says it's not about hypocrisy, it's about placing the blame where it belongs. Step one is to cease being the worst violator of international law in the entire world. It's not valid to create an environment of lawlessness and then rend your garments when people treat it like what it is. If someone starts stealing everyone's stuff, and nobody stops him, pretty soon you're going to see other people start stealing to make sure they have stuff too. Whose fault would it be in that situation? It's the one who created that Wild West environment in the first place. You can't have a serious conversation about opposing Russia's actions in Ukraine without answering these questions. If we're against annexation, why aren't we sanctioning Israel? If we're against illegal wars, why are we supplying bombs to Saudi Arabia? If we oppose brutal dictators, why are we training the military of Cameroon? Incredible double standards for Britain and America. Ah. But that's just what about is right? And of course, she addresses that in the next sentence. She says, you can't just bleat what about is or two wrongs don't make a right. You have to answer them. Otherwise, it looks like you're just making whatever empty noises will let you rule the planet. <laughs> right? Like, this is what I mean by Damn. your faux neutrality is U.S. hegemony. Whether you acknowledge it or not, that is what you are fucking doing. You are carrying water for empire. Like, you just have to realize that. There's also this just latent historical lack of understanding and education in the U.S. that I think facilitates this. And I think that, you know, anyone who's wondering what's up with Ukraine is missing out, not just, I know I only took it back to 2014, but like, let's take it all the way back to the Soviet Union ending. Fuck it. Let's take it all the way back to the great game when we were trying to figure out who was going to control these super important parts of Central and Eastern Asia between the warring superpowers of the First World War, or rather the Allies, if we look at the fall of the USSR, and then we look at the immediate war in Iraq, which, by the way, hit Russia's wallet to the tune of, I don't even know how many billions of dollars. They had so many assets tied up in Iraq. It's insane. You look at the following war in Afghanistan, which was literally the crown jewel of the great game in the early 1900s. That was knocking at Russia's door. And then you look at the war in Syria, which is one of Russia's most important strategic military allies. We've been fighting Russia this whole time. We've been fighting Russia since the wall came down. Every single war that we've been involved in, the ones that we remember starting when we were young, when we were 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, this whole fucking time, our entire lifetimes as millennials, we have been fighting Russia. We've been expanding NATO eastward. We've been committing these proxy wars in the Middle East that most people don't know have to do with Russia because they don't learn fucking history. And then we have Pikachu's surprise face when we're like, well, where did this new Cold War come from? It's been happening since I was born in 88. It never stopped. And again, I really do believe the point is to balkanize Russia. We're trying to economically isolate it. We took out its biggest oil trading partner, which was 
Iraq. We tried taking out their second biggest one, which was Venezuela. And we did take out Libya. All of these are Russian partners. Um, we've been turning trade on and off with Cuba, which was one of their other more important strategic military bases. We completely raped the shit out of Syria, so they can't get anything in or out there. It's been 30 years of us isolating Russia. We, we keep looking at China like, you better not move, but this whole time the goal has been to kill Russia because we know out of the two, that's the weaker superpower. We're trying to kill Russia first. Yeah, not, not to mention, if superpowers team up, they're kind of fucking next-door neighbors. If they had to, like, choose sides, they're definitely choosing each other. Oh, yeah, we don't have a friend in the room, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, like, we're definitely... So, yeah, you're absolutely right. If they teamed up, that would be very bad for the U.S. long-term in, in terms of, like, you know, the U.S.'s ambition of being a one-world power, which is, I think, everyone's... And I think that's a good question, these people who are, like, choosing sides is... What is the end game? Not only what do you think is the end game, what do you think is the U.S.'s actual end game? Because if you don't think the U.S.'s end game here is one world superpower, then A, I don't know why I'm even talking to you. So I, I think that's a good place to start them is just if the U.S.'s goal is to be a one world superpower, then what do you think the U.S. would do in this situation? And is it surprising that's exactly what the U.S. happens to be doing in this situation <laughs> do you support that or not you tell me <laughs> i mean sterling the way that we've been phrasing it and the way caitlin johnson's phrasing it is the nice way to phrase it because i could be a dick about it like if i wanted to be a dick i would say to people why do you suddenly care about ukraine sovereignty and the freedom of the ukrainian people and you don't care about all these people that the u.s is helping to oppress in all these other situations you obviously don't because the u.s media didn't tell you to care about them yet you know what i mean like the u.s media yeah. is you are just a victim of indoctrination but the only reason I wouldn't is because it's not productive to do that. But also, I'm ignorant as well. Like, I don't really care so much about Ukraine because I wouldn't have to think about it if it wasn't in the news cycle right now. But it's like, I mostly don't care about particular international events like this because I know the pattern. I know that the U.S. is arming a bunch of far-right militias in a bunch of places. I don't need to know all the particulars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, we, if I decided, like, okay, I got one hill to die on. Like, I need to put all of my eggs in one political basket. No offense, Ukraine. But there are a hundred at least Ukraines happening yeah. right now at the same goddamn time. And there's yep. too much to keep up with. And there's honestly bigger shit going down. And I think that's one reason a lot of us aren't so up to date on Ukraine is I don't know if you guys remember what the fuck just went down in Afghanistan. No. I'm not over that shit yet. <laughs> or hell, even what happened in Portland last week. And, and like there was a fucking candlelight vigil for another black mm -hmm. person the cop shot and some crazy right winger goes in there shoots the place up and kills a dude like honestly that's what i'm concerned about they weren't yeah. even protesting they were saying we're sorry a cop killed this guy and this guy's like no not in my country no, like not my holy fuck, dude die. that's that's a problem that's yeah. way more yeah. i don't give a fuck what putin's doing like, yeah. I'm concerned that if I go to say, I'm sorry that the cops shot another person, that I too will be <laughs> shot. Oh my God. Perfect. Let me wrap up these last two paragraphs of her article and then, uh, then we can take it wherever we want. But so to continue, she says, You can't just bleat what about us, or two wrongs don't make a right. You have to answer them. Otherwise, it looks like you're just making whatever empty noises will let you rule the planet. You can't just put your fingers in your ears and compartmentalize away from the fact that everything the Western political media class is saying about Russia and Ukraine today is completely meaningless under the shadow of the behavior of the globe-spanning U.S. centralized empire. 
either squarely address the fact that the U.S. and its allies do not play by the rules they are demanding Russia play by, or stop pretending you're doing anything other than pro bono propaganda work for the largest and deadliest power structure on Earth. Just, I want to put fire emojis in, like, speech form <laughs> somehow. Like, it's fucking great, dude. Scaling. The country with no democracy says it's important to defend the democracy of another country with no democracy. Ukraine's sovereignty is important enough to risk World War III over, but not important enough to refrain from backing neo-Nazi militias to stage a coup there in 2014. These are like punch-you-in-the-gut one-liners that she leaves at the end here. If the Democrats have been moving to the left, then why are they indistinguishable from Bush administration Republicans? Not that anyone cares, but the fastest way to lose my respect as an anti-imperialist is to spend your energy attacking other anti-imperialists. Because it shows that your understanding is so shallow that you think we're doing well enough for us to be able to afford wasting our firepower on each other. Either that, or it shows that your ego comes before the cause. It's one or the other, and either way you've shown yourself to be fairly worthless. Mass-scale psychological manipulation is a science that's still advancing. The government agencies who use that science would have every reason to test out mass psyops for no other reason than to learn and gather data to advance the science. It's not like you can test it in a lab. I mean, we know for a fact that they've already done this. We just don't know how far it goes. And the thing that she links when she says that we know for a fact goes to an article saying it's in Ottawa Citizen. The headline is, Military leaders saw pandemic as a unique opportunity to test propaganda techniques on Canadians, Forces Report says. A plan devised by the Canadian Joint Operations Command relied on propaganda techniques similar to those employed during the Afghanistan war. Ward, I wanted to read this tweet that you put in the, uh, the channel. That was pretty good. And somebody uh, pages this person, Russian mm -hmm. Star, and they say, page in Russian mm -hmm. Star and his great articles and threads to correct the record on this. And it's like some article in the Intercept pointing out like neo-Nazis in the fucking Ukrainian military. And so he replies, he says, quick reaction, reporting on neo-Nazis in the Ukrainian military is overblown, reductive, and a distraction. Keep in mind that American military, <laughs> sorry, keep in mind that American police and military forces are full of white nationalists. So we'd be disqualified for protecting ourselves <laughs> if that were really the issue here. And somebody oh. says, dude is so oh, no. close. <laughs> Carl, Carl Ja on Twitter res responds, dude is so close. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, bear with me, bear with me. What if all cops are Nazis? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think that is the crux of it, though. It's like, A, there's, there's two ways this will play out. A, it'll be a flash-in-the-pan news story just to keep people, you know, scared and therefore patriotic, and then it'll go away as it usually does. Or, or it'll escalate, and, you know, we'll just get roped into another fucking war. Um, I think the former is probably more likely than the latter. But, yeah, I mean, Sterling, you're right. They can't even remember we were talking about Ukraine half a year ago, much less doing what I'm doing, which is like, well, it all started with the great game and blah, blah, blah. You know, like, <laughs> no, no one's going to make that fucking connection. And it's just, I feel like the United States machine just thrives on that amnesia and thrives on the fact that it can turn not just its own people, but like people who think they're radical. They can justify somehow in the minds of constituents that if we go over there to an entirely different continent, to a country they can't even point out, that somehow that's good for those people. That is never good for anybody. And I do mean including the goddamn Holocaust, which wouldn't have happened if we didn't fund the Third Reich in the first fucking place. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just all so intertwined and cyclical, and it, it all does stem from the same bullshit. Just going off of what you, you said there, like, I couldn't agree more with the whole, like, six months ago, Hunter Burisma shit. And I just want to ask them, do you remember 
what we thought of the Ukraine then, because American media was like, Ukraine is the most corrupt. Everything they do is wrong. Anyone who we can even link to the Ukraine is a bad guy. That was the EU side. That wasn't, that wasn't the Federation side. That was the EU side who we were just talking about. If a politician even went over there and visited and talked business, like all of a sudden they shouldn't be allowed to run for office. That's the side that all of a sudden we have to defend to the grave. So um, very appropriately, 12 hours ago, friend of the show, Joe, from joewrote.substack.com, wrote an article. That guy's awesome. I know, right? He, he was great. We just had him on the show talking about why we should nationalize the airlines or at least create a national airline. But it was a great episode. Can't wait to have that guy back. I would have invited him on tonight, but it was very short notice. And if I had that guy on, I want to just focus on just his article. And I want to talk about a whole bunch of other things tonight. But uh, so he wrote this short article and it's called Arming Ukrainian Militias is Afghanistan 2.0. And so he says, uh, recently, Noah Smith wrote about what he calls, quote, last war brain. To summarize, Noah thinks Americans overemphasize the disaster of Iraq, which frightens us from getting involved in Ukraine. This is essentially the 2022 version of, quote, Vietnam syndrome, the baffling belief that Americans overlearned the lessons of the Vietnam War and were too reluctant of military endeavors in the, oh my God. <laughs> in the last half of the 20th century. Imagine believing this. Imagine putting that forward as a theory. Oh, God. He follows with a, a picture that's it's, uh, captioned heartwarming. After eight long years of, of the Vietnam syndrome, America was able to make a full recovery and invade Granada. <laughs> yeah, it's like I got I got a wreck one time and my seatbelt saved my life. And I think that now I put too much faith in my seatbelt because I learned firsthand the value of the seatbelt. Right. So I I just I, I need to cut that shit out. I've got too dependent. But he goes on, uh, I argue the opposite. Americans didn't overlearn from Vietnam and Iraq. Rather, we made excuses and blamed peripheral factors that caused bad objects. Afghanistan withdrawal, instead of critiquing the core problem. Military endeavors, including supplying weapons, bring unforeseeable blowback that is likely to outweigh any potential benefit. Case in point is the 183 people killed at Kabul airport by ISIS, a group literally born from American imperialism in Iraq. No one misses the mark on a few points. His main focus is on the Iraq war and full-scale U.S. military deployment to Ukraine, but that's not what's being considered. He correctly points out that there's little political appetite for U.S. troop deployment before advocating for the favored action of the foreign policy establishment, arming the Ukrainian militias. And then there's a uh, quote, That doesn't mean we should go to war to stop a Russian invasion. Indeed, we should not. And nobody serious is suggesting we do. But things like threatening sanctions and sending weapons to the Ukrainians seem eminently reasonable as ways to deter Russian conquest. So just, you know, benevolent little uh, sanctions. Nobody minds that. I'm just counting here. It looks like 14 NATO members have been added since the Warsaw Pact was dissolved. Which, again, just to bring up the point, like, why does NATO continue to exist at all once the Soviet Union is dissolved? You know what I mean? Like, that's... I don't know. But that, that lady in Canada, the one that says that she's now the Queen of Canada, hmm. there's good news. She, she says Russia actually joined NATO, so we should be fine. I love that. That's bold. <laughs> that's like, that's beyond sell you a bridge bold. You know what I mean? <laughs> and my thing is like, wasn't like their supreme leader, Trump, the one trying to get Putin back into fucking, what was it? The, the G8? Yeah, exactly, exactly. The G7, and he wanted to get Putin back into the G8. Like, your boy was the one, and that's the crazy thing is, 
every six months, they're on the opposite side of the side they were on six months ago. And that's why I can't take shit they say fucking serious. Well, no, I mean, the Trump, that's what I was, I was trying to make the distinction earlier, because there are the Trump conservatives that are, like, rooting for Putin. And then there's, like, the... Oh, really? I haven't seen that. Oh, yeah, that's, like, a thing. I I mean... I live in Trump country, and I ain't heard none of them say that. What are they saying? That Biden's not acting strong enough? Exactly. That's 100% the thing, is that Biden should be sending the military in and basically take control (laughs) of Ukraine... (laughs) To protect it from Russia, 100%. Oh, yeah, like Trump did at any point during his four years. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Because I thought yeah, that there were... Biden this week. That's the whole... That's what they're saying. They're letting... Biden is just letting Putin do it. So I thought that was just the alt-right point of view. So maybe it's that's, that's just the right point of view. And liberals are yeah. making up the conservatives who are in favor of Putin because they're doing the Russiagate thing again. So... Yeah, I don't know. Because I, w- I was like already seeing them accusing tankies of being secret Trump lovers because, you know, there are MLs who are critically supportive of Putin or Russia in the situation. And so they're like, oh, yeah, yeah totally. see, once again, tankies are obviously just like fucking conservatives, bro. Like, well, let me continue yeah, with uh, uh, Joe's article here. <laughs> yeah. So he says, uh, looking at Ukraine, it's preposterous to think either U.S. intervention or, quote, sending weapons will create a better, more peaceful outcome. Noah's focus on Iraq is misguided, given what he's proposing for Ukraine isn't akin to the Iraq war, but rather is identical to the source of the Afghanistan war. And getting into the 1980s Afghanistan, he says, when the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan on Christmas Eve, 1979, the United States responded by connecting with Afghan rebels through Pakistani intelligence. Along with soaking Islamist ideology to inspire anti-Soviet fervor, the CIA supplied the Mujahideen with arms and ammunition, most notably rifles and anti-aircraft stinger missiles. And he includes the picture, the screen cap from Rambo. This film was dedicated to the brave Mujahideen fighters of Afghanistan. It was from uh, Rambo 3. He's like, he says, Rambo 3 credits look back, look back in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> but when the Soviets withdrew in 1989, the fighting didn't stop. Rife with weapons and violent ideology imported from foreign nations trying to win a Cold War proxy battle, Afghanistan devolved into civil war and an epidemic of gun violence. The rest is history. Mere months after Osama bin Laden made Afghanistan his home, the Taliban, which emerged as the victorious faction of the 1990s Mujahideen infighting, captured Kabul and imposed their harsh Islamist rule over the country. Following 9-11, the U.S. invasion and a misguided attempt at regime change killed thousands and collapsed the country even further. To recap, in response to the Russian invasion of an independent country, the U.S. funneled arms to extremists, which worsened the violence and set off a domino effect of immiseration still lasting today. And we're risking doing the same thing all over again. So 2022 Ukraine, once again, the U.S. is considering flooding an unstable region of extremists with high-powered weaponry. If you've been paying attention to the news, you've probably heard of Ukrainian militias preparing to fight against a potential Russian invasion. Most U.S. coverage has depicted these groups as, quote, freedom-loving Ukrainians, ready and willing to defend democracy. But the reality is much more sinister. The two main militias fighting Russian-backed separatists in the Donbass region are the Azov Battalion and the Right Sector. And of course, we have a nice picture of these dudes in a bunch of camo waving their enormous Wolf's Angel flags above them. And he, and he says, I wonder where they got that insignia from. I wonder indeed. To say these groups are, quote, far right is an understatement. They routinely espouse Nazi symbolism and beliefs. They openly hate LGBT and Romani people and attack anti-fascist demonstrations. And Noah Smith, along with plenty of other pundits, wants to give them rocket launchers. Another quote here. There's nothing inherently wrong with National Socialism as a political idea, says Alexei, another militia member, as the men move stealthily through moonlit trees, frosted with ice. Quote, I don't know why everyone always associates it immediately with concentration camps. 
Because that's where we always end up with it. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. It's funny because, like, they say that, and it's like, that sounds like anything that we would say about Gulag. Except that, like, I actually really am in favor of Gulags. Like, I'm a big fan of fucking Gulags. <laughs> I mean, you're talking to an abolitionist over here, but uh, when it does come to Nazis, they, they should be just put out of their misery. See, I agree, bro. 100%. And then, so, of course, Joe captions that quote there with, yes, I can't think of any reason people draw that connection. So he says, history doesn't repeat, but it does run. Ukrainian neo-Nazi militias don't share the ideology of the 1980s Mujahideen, but they are on track to create the same outcome. Giving Stinger and Javelin missiles to right sector and Agile Battalion is a terrible idea that is sure to have impacts we can't possibly predict, even in the highly unlikely event that they do use American weaponry to stop a Russian invasion. What happens next? What's to say they don't turn them on the Ukrainian state? Or maybe some particularly crazy members want revenge and shoot down a civilian flight coming from Russia. This potential for calamity is not only high, it has a strong precedent as it's exactly what happened in Afghanistan. Which are all things that really didn't even occur to me, you know, until he said that. It's like, yeah, dead on. I saw there's a um, comment on Reddit. I guess it was like under some like news post about Ukraine, essentially armoring them with Stinger missiles. And it was like some dude who back then actually helped arm the Mujahideen with Stinger missiles was like, yeah, we should totally arm Ukraine with Stinger missiles. It'll totally be effective. He's like, back when I did it with the Mujahideen, it worked perfectly against the Soviets. Like, wow. <laughs> Every bit of coverage on CBS or MSNBC, they've had John Bolton on 60 Minutes. They had James Clapper oh on. They're trotting out every... It's always the heads of the CIA. It's always these fucking warmongers, dude. CNN had Bolton? No, CBS on 60 Minutes. Okay, He's a liberal now. They've forgiven all his sins. They totally forgot he worked for Trump. Fuck me. No, he was against Trump. Well, I mean, he worked for Trump, but then at the end, he's like, what he done was wrong. Didn't he write a book or something? Yeah, he like basically threw Trump all under the bus. took that route. Well, because Trump wasn't a war hawk enough for him because he wanted to like go to war against the DPRK, and Trump was like, yeah. uh, no, I kind of like him, and he's like... He, he well, also like, wanted to go to war with, uh, with Vuvuzela. Oh, yeah, and Iran. Yeah. And the Ukraine, but Trump wanted to do business <laughs> with the Ukraine. <laughs> I mean, that was really, like, his breaking point. It seems like, whoa, oh, whoa, buddy. <laughs> All right, let me wrap up Joe's article here. He says... That guy probably jacks off with sandpaper. <laughs> uh, he says, to be clear, the fault for this fiasco lies with Vladimir Putin. He's a right-wing, autocratic billionaire who will kill thousands with his invasion. But if the U.S. decides to toss guns and explosives to Nazis like firemen tossing candy to children along the parade route, there's sure to be disastrous consequences. Not only is there no guarantee it'll stop Russian forces, but there's a high chance we'll repeat the mistakes of Afghanistan and worsen Ukraine for generations to come. Noah can say I have, quote, last war brain all he wants. In my mind, blatantly repeating the mistakes of Afghanistan rings, quote, the definition of insanity in my ear. So I don't know if um, Joe's uh, summation of Putin at the very end there. I can't disagree. He is a right-wing autocratic billionaire who probably, yeah, who will kill thousands with this invasion. So yeah, I can't even say that, like as much as that sounds like the CNN take, like Putin bad, it's like he's not wrong. And I, and I feel like if anybody's saying it in good faith, it's our, our dear friend Joe. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the liberal or American or even conservative misconception at this point is that not wanting war is somehow supporting Putin. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing could be further from the truth. Like, I, I, I don't support Putin, and I only support some of the things from China, but I think that Xi Jinping is probably a much, much better leader than Putin. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, it's not even fucking comparable, but... I was about to say, you, you know, better not come for my Jeet like that. No, nah, I, <laughs> I would be much more tactful. Um, yeah, no, Ward <laughs> has them really on the same level anyway. He simps for both completely, <laughs> you know, unapologetically. You know, when I think she, I just think Gorbachev. Um, <laughs> oh! <laughs> shit! I'll bite my tongue. I'll bite my tongue, buddy. Oh, man. God damn. No, I just, computer's not working properly. I wanted to see how much I could upset you guys uh, <laughs> holy shit no i mean i just like from from the my perspective like we can't afford another war we shouldn't have another war and more to the point like the fact that even beyond the whole historical recollection that i did earlier in this episode like most of us have been alive long enough to see that they lied about iraq they lied about afghanistan they lied about syria and these are just recent things in our lives, the past 30 years. Why the fuck would we believe them with anything like this? And you remember how much in all of these countries, those countries didn't want to be invaded and how they fought back? Russia has nuclear fucking weapons. And also a not. lot of them. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of them. Like, I promise you, if you think going to war with Russia is going to be like Afghanistan, you have no fucking idea. Can you, like, imagine doing just like... <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> no, I mean, just imagine this nightmare scenario where the U.S., you know, looks like a weakling again all of a sudden, just having dominated everybody around the world for decades. Can you imagine this nightmare scenario where it starts to create this domino effect and more countries remove American military bases or start to, like, remove trade deals? Just start to take back their own sovereignty from the U.S. and just remove all these uh, sort of, like, tentacles the U.S. has just everywhere? Can you imagine that nightmare scenario? That would be terrible, wouldn't it? They wouldn't have freedom anymore. Man, imagine how long that's going to take when there's, like, over 800 international military bases. I feel like it's it could be so goddamn long. Is that, is that the real count? Is that the real count? Oh, yeah, it's over 800. Oh, my God. It could, it could be a wildfire thing. It could be, like, once it catches on, they'd be like, wow, this is going viral, bro. Let's fucking boot them out. And if the U.S. just shows its hand and, like, countries around the world realize that the U.S. cannot force its will upon them anymore, like, that... I think that's a great thing, and I hope to see that. I hope to see at least more of it in our lifetimes, but it's like... I mean, look at, look at Saddam Hussein. He just pushed out some, some corporations. He just pushed out a few energy corporations, and look what the fuck went down. Let one of these countries start pushing out a U.S. military and watch what happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, because that is the alternative, right? Like, the, the U.S. state apparatuses yeah. get removed, but then it get re gets replaced by U.S. corporations who have even less accountability, because that's always the possibility, of course. Yeah, I mean, they, we just go to war with them. We just say that their government has been hijacked by, you know, some extremist group who, who are trying to push the U.S. out just so they can seize power from the people, and we need to go in and bring some freedom, uh, you know, let liberty ring and all that nonsense. And mm. yeah, and then you have Iraq all over again. Like, I, I, again, countries have done this, and that's, that's what happens. Do you, do you think... US, uh... Do any y'all think that the debacles in Iraq and Afghanistan shook like enough global faith in U.S. led shit that it could prevent like what you're describing from happening? I don't think. I mean, look at look at Afghanistan. Everything like literally, it wasn't there. The only trace of ammonia they found was from a soldier who pissed 
in a fucking 18-wheeler, and it was all over the news until someone actually realized it was piss. And they found fucking nothing. And even then, how many years later, when we finally pulled out, every half of the news fucking cycle was, oh, how are we going to pull out of there? You know, the Taliban, this and that. It's like, it, it wasn't even that to begin with. It wasn't even the thing then. It's definitely not the thing now. Like, they... It means nothing, and as long as the citizens here support what the government's doing, then it doesn't fucking matter what other countries say because the U.S. can go in and invade. Well, I think to that point, the U.S. pulling out of Afghanistan, the U.S. backing down, you know, after kind of trying to ramp up against China because of Taiwan a little bit ago, I think overall the trend is that the U.S. is not as either willing or as able to engage in military conflicts for its own interests, as it used to be at one point. You know what I mean? I think that's what I've been getting at a lot tonight. And I think, mm. like, when you have a president who's, I guess you could say, sensible enough to realize that, like Biden, he will just not get into it. You know what I mean? He'll find a way to back out of it and still posture or whatever. Whereas if Trump was in office, maybe he would actually just get into it. Maybe he would just get the U.S. into a military conflict because he is the guy who just unleashes the generals. But then the U.S. would lose because the weakness is still there. You know what I mean? Like, he can't change the fact that the U.S. is not the, the bulldog it once was. So I think that's the difference. The U, well, the, the big difference is the U.S. doesn't really stand to lose much in losing the Ukraine. Yes, we have to get in and do a show of power and act like we want to do anything. But, yeah, we're not really going to. Well, no, I think it. that's kind of what Joe's article just outlined is that it could be just another thing that we lose for another 20 years and spend a bunch of money on and further just. Sterling, you should love it. As an accelerationist, you should want us to support the Ukraine in every way possible. Like. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just saying, I, as far as like the U.S. empire goes, Ukraine is not really ours right now. Like, like what Jaron was saying, it's split between the Federation and the EU. So it may very well in the next couple years be up for grabs and maybe it can become a, you know, part of the U.S.'s collection of, of little toys. But it, what you're describing, like, you know, pushing the U.S. out would be like if South Korea pushed the U.S. out. And that's not at all what the Ukraine is. And, and yeah. I don't, I think if all of a sudden South Korea was trying to push the U.S. out, I think Biden would do his role as puppet master of the empire. And that's, you know, go on TV and explain why the North is actually secretly taking control of the South again. And if we don't stop them now, there's going to be nuclear winter by Christmas. And yeah, and they would just invade and, and it would be Korea all over again. Actually, more um, South Korean anti-military presence protests have been happening lately. Yeah. So there's that. And I, and I, and I hope fan. that works, but yeah, big fan, <laughs> yeah. big fan. But I mean, tell me how it plays out. Like South Korea is so important to the U.S. right now. It's a real shiny marble that the empire really doesn't want to let go of. Is there, a, is there still a base at Okinawa? But in Japan? Yeah, yeah, there's tons. Of, there's a lot of military bases in Japan because Japan doesn't have its own military. They, uh, uh, they like kind of do. It's this part of like the whole post World War II thing. Um, yeah, they yeah. basically subsidized their military with U.S. military for right, the most right. part, and then converted its military to manga artists. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, getting back to the uh, Ukraine thing, the whole reason I even mentioned that, like I said, Sterling, that nightmare scenario where they have this domino effect of countries realizing they can, they can basically just give the U.S. the finger and still survive, uh, which they could not have done in the, in the past. I feel like 
that's kind of everyone's hesitation to support, to quote unquote support Russia or Putin in this situation, or maybe just like even recognize now Donetsk and Lugansk and say like, oh, I support these independent territories now. It's like, I get people's hesitance. And I think that that really is just that lingering chauvinism. You know, you grow up in the US and what is everybody's impression of Russia? It immediately has that video filter applied to it. It's like some kind of gray tone. Yeah. And you picture a bunch of like yeah. poor Eastern Europeans and you think it's like this miserable hellhole, you know, ruled by this tyrant Putin. And it's like, okay, but there's like real people there and you should probably not be. So you should be a little more nuanced about it. And uh, I feel like the propaganda has really done a number on people. You should probably investigate why the U.S. really wants to arm these neo-Nazis so badly and why, why you feel the need to jump to that defense. It's weird. It's all. I mean, I feel like your average Russian, and, and again, I certainly don't have the education and experience to really back this up, but from what I've gathered and from the few uh, Russians I've talked to, it seems like your average Russian just isn't interested in politics in the way like Americans are. I feel like they're a little bit more aware of how little effect or control they have on politics. So I, I don't think that they're so into we need to go protest Putin, like people would protest Trump here because they're they're not blind to the fact that like here, it doesn't matter if you have Trump or Biden, it's the same imperialism regardless. I, I think that they just kind of have accepted that and they just kind of live their lives and I'll definitely say like the putting to rest of the both sides bad argument is kind of why I wanted to do this episode. Because like both sides are obviously bad. <laughs> but again, you you can't really take things at such a ham-fisted value. The reality is Ukraine is next to Russia. The United States is not. Um, and there's no fucking way that you're going to understand the intricacies of that conflict when you are so far removed from it. And that completely is notwithstanding of the United States' history of lying and just being generally the world's, you know, fuckboy. And, you know, same thing goes for China. I have my critiques of China, but at the end of the day, you know, we couldn't even build a fucking rail system through California. They built it through their entire fucking country. And in less time. And for some reason, the United States will, will take a look at that and say, like, oh, it wasn't enough, as if we're doing better. Um, <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Like, the, the political canon in the United States has gotten so absolutely batshit that it's almost impossible to discern uh, what is a reasonable take. So the only reasonable take to me is that, you know, it's the old joke of like, we don't need to be with anyone right now. We need some time for ourselves. <laughs> I would like the United States to remove all action from the rest of the world, root out every fucking Nazi here. And care. Yeah, and, uh, you know, remove them from society in, in what way I deem to be fit. Uh, redacted. I could not agree with that anymore. And I, I think that's kind of a, a lot of what I was getting at is it's hard for me to care much about the Ukraine when we have so many problems right here at home. And it's hard to say what the U.S. should or should not be doing abroad when we don't critique what the U.S. is allowed to do here. Yep. If the U.S. can do whatever the fuck they do here, then why on earth are we surprised at what they do abroad? There's less oversight there. There's no actual U.S. laws they've broken. It's only foreign laws, which don't mean shit to the U.S. government. 
and I think that's a really good place for people to start is, is just critiquing what's going on at home. I don't know. I don't want to get too deep into it. I, I think that's exactly my take. Yeah, well, the dad shouldn't make the rules if dad should be in jail. Yep. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I, uh, I referenced this comment earlier, but I found the whole comment. So credit to uh, Cracked Mind on Reddit. They say, Putin has always been anti-communist and was propped up by the West to suppress the immensely popular Communist Party after the illegitimate dissolution of the USSR. The critical support many Marxist-Leninists have of modern Russia is as an opposing force to U.S. hegemony. Putin and his party oppress the Russian people in a hundred different ways, but unfortunately there isn't a Soviet Union to stand by China to apply pressure to NATO, so it's just working with what we've got. What's really ironic is that in 1995, Putin was happy being the U.S.'s pet, but as Russia's political sway grew and their economy redeveloped a bit, Western imperial hunger forced Putin into being a more independent nation than just another EU or U.S. colony in Eastern Europe that's only good for cheap labor, which is why Russia is now working with socialist and progressive countries like China, Cuba, and Venezuela, and anti-U.S. imperial countries like Iran. Putin is still a power-hungry, hateful capitalist, but that's not the issue on a global scale. A multipolar world is preferable and safer for socialist internationalism than the complete U.S. hegemony, even if the pie is split between a bunch of assholes. So I thought that was a very succinct and great way to put that. Unless anybody else has anything, there's a lot of things we probably didn't address well enough that I think a lot of other podcasts probably will address in depth and better than we could. People should look into just the Maidan revolution, quote-unquote revolution, look into the Orange Revolution. Jaron, do you have anything else that you wanted to touch on that you can, that you can think of? Not particularly. I mean, the, the one thing that I really wanted to address to like the well-informed left because it got brought up in our Discord was the fact that, yeah, there, there are Nazi militias on both sides just like was previously mentioned, but my, I wouldn't even call it critical support for Russia. You have to understand that these, these militias are formed because there are, there is such a huge neo-Nazi presence in Ukraine. And if we ask why is there such a huge neo-Nazi presence in Ukraine, it's because of the preservation of that ideology that came through things like Operation Gladio. Mm-hmm. And things that were US sponsored, things that were, that were Western sponsored. So is Putin using neo-Nazis in Ukraine, just like the U.S. is? Yes. But that doesn't tell us why there are still so many fragments of that ideology and that violence there. What explains that is U.S. foreign policy. Dead stop. That's why they are not the same. Those groups would not be there if we had not kept them alive since the 1940s. So that's where we need to understand as, as leftists as a whole, even if you're well-informed to know that these Nazis are throughout the entire diaspora of Ukraine, it's not the same fucking thing. They're only there because the U.S. permitted them to be the entire time. Yeah. Word I can't see you, so I don't know if you're putting your hand up or anything, but do you have anything that and, you want uh, to touch on? Uh, I zoned out for a bit because I'm not on camera. And so I, I, <laughs> yeah. I started getting attacks and I, I just zoned out. But Jaren, were you talking about China's trains? I was, I was. Did you see uh, where they built a fucking station in nine hours? Uh, no, I didn't, but that's fucking amazing. Dude, they built an entire fucking high-speed rail station in nine hours overnight. People were like walking like on their commute to work. I'm being like, wait, what the fuck? Where am I? Like, what the fuck is this? Because it was hey, fully operational in nine hours. 
hey, buddy, Elon Musk just needs another year or two for hyperlink in California, okay? It's going to work. Yeah, that shit will work eventually. You know, no ventilation. Can't get out of your car when it explodes. He needs to finish implanting shit into monkey brains first and killing them, and then he'll colonize Mars, and then yeah, he'll get the rapid transit. what's the success rate on that? Like, <laughs> not, <great>. not good. <laughs> Pretty much you the know, same as so- drone success rates. Sorry, go ahead. He, he constantly wants to talk about, like, especially like when he goes into Joe Rogan, he wants to talk about the, um, the singularity and how VR is going to be completely indistinguishable with reality. And then he talks about, you know, the singularity and eventually AI will overtake human beings. And he also, when, when they bring up, um, uh, what's the, uh, not, not the matrix theory, the, uh, simulation theory, mm-hmm. they bring up simulation theory and his comment is that it's really hard to argue against simulation theory. And that's pretty much his whole thoughts on it is that he can't argue against it. And then after he says all that shit, he then wants to talk about Neuralink and that he should (laughs) implant fucking computers into human brains that will instantly transmit information from the internet. And he doesn't see how these things he is like afraid of is exactly what he's working towards. And the irony is that even if he realized that, like let's say he did some salvia and meditated and that like self-awareness occurred to him, he would just be like, oh, I'm kind of like Oppenheimer who like knew the dangers of the atom bomb, but still spent all his time working on the atom bomb. Like I'm, I'm like that guy. Uh, that is so grossly correct. That it really <laughs> yeah, upsets yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but though, no, these dudes have no self-awareness. Cause like even Jeff Bezos, like he's said that like his favorite show is the expanse and like the expanse is just depressing space capitalism. Like, dude, you missed the entire point of the show. Yeah. There's no self-awareness yeah. with those guys. Like I said, man, I, I do have my problems with China as I've aired out on this show plenty, but it says a lot that they can get a fucking rail system done over the expanse of their entire country and Elon Musk through the U.S. California was about to do a rail system anyway, and Elon Musk was literally like, no, don't do that. I'm going to do this fucking thing. and It's going to be fucking sweet. And then he didn't do it. And, and then he built like shitty cars that, that barely work and they're poorly constructed, can't get to Mars, didn't build the rail system. He built a th- flamethrower, but it's not even as good as a military grade one. I fucking hate that kind. That guy is the worst. And he has no business being the richest African in the world. It's racist. Mm. <laughs> good point. Don't forget but that has um, nothing to do with Ukraine. With the, with the rails, I mean, the rails are great, but uh, don't discount the trees. How many fucking trees they planted? Like their their environmental measures should not be discounted because I feel like another just area they're destroying just, deserts. Yeah, just leaving the U.S. in the dust if it's a competition, which it is. Yeah, it is leader yeah. leader in green energy by like a lot now. But yeah, since we're way off topic, we can just wrap it up there if you like. <laughs> yeah, I aired everything out, and I'm a little buzz. So <laughs> cool, mission accomplished. Yeah, I mean, again, please reach out to us if you have any further questions. I mean, we're always pretty uh available and i will at least direct people to other resources to uh answer the questions about ukraine and help you have good takes because that's what's important right you have to have good takes your takes have to be good and you don't want to have to apologize for your takes later on you want to have good takes now so you can stay unimpeachable you want to have infallible takes that's what we're here for the turnouts podcast the infallible takes our takes are always good the take economy sterling plug the twitter bro
at Stern left this pod. Board. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Millennial Leftist. Common spelling. Follow my backup at Millennial Marxist. And follow me on Twitter at Ward Lolly, W A R D L A W L E Y. Jaron? You can follow me on Instagram, Jaron Dagan, J A R O N D A G A N. And my website will be back uh, one day. Um, I'm just going to read out our, our new patrons. Oh, and also for Cosper, their Patreon is patreon.com slash existence is innocent, separated by underscores. Our new patrons, thank you to Corin, Hugo, Zach, Safari, and Der Berdenjuda, the bear Jew. Sick. Love that shit. I love that movie. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. This is fun. Good to have, uh, you know, the boys back in town. This is actually a good time. Uh, this is great. Yep. Yep. Good yep. to see y'all. Cool. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Later, comrades. Later. Okay, so now for the addendum. I, for one, I always like to say that a key to winning arguments is to be able to admit when you're wrong. So I wanted to say to just start right off saying, of course, yeah, I, I did not think that Russia would invade the Ukraine. I think we all kind of thought that that was not going to happen. It was mostly like fear mongering from the U.S., the State Department, through the media outlets and whatever. I absolutely didn't see that coming personally. And I did expect that if there were any military conflict, it would be restricted to just the contested territories, uh, Donetsk and Lugansk. Certainly not the whole country. But as far as like other updates or responses to events since Wednesday, I don't really have much. I just like critically support Russia or anyone who actually implements some good old fashioned denazification. I think that that's a good thing. Like, I, I don't see how that's like a controversial statement. Like denazification is fucking good. That doesn't mean that I think the Russian Federation is socialist, or that Putin is a communist, or even that he's a, quote, good guy, since that seems to be, unfortunately, the level of political analysis that most people are on still for some reason. But yeah, I understand that denazification is also a facade for whatever power play Putin is actually making. Like, of course, that's fucking how politics works. But if you're only talking about Putin as this Machiavellian figure, and you're not at all mentioning the decades of, like, arming neo-Nazis that the U.S. has been doing. Caitlin and Colin, you guys are perfectly aware of that as well. Like, if you're not Correct. mentioning any of that that's been going on in Europe for, like, the last several decades, like, since the end of World War II, then I really can't take your criticism seriously. But more importantly, I don't need to support a single other thing that Russia does to be happy when they murk a bunch of neo-Nazi militias. Like, I, I don't, I, I just, that's what critical support is about. Like, and if you think I'm not going to make memes and celebrate when they do that, like, I'm fucking going to. That's, that's what I'm here to do. The only other thing I would have to address is like the claims of people like saying that Russia is also imperialist or that Russia is also fascist. And people really like to bring up the Wagner group because they just heard about it yesterday from whatever news source told them about it because the U.S. realizes that they're arming and supporting a bunch of fucking fascists. So they had to come up with some kind of PR move and they found the Wagner group. It is admittedly, yes, it's a fucking neo-fascist group like a militia in Russia. But to like compare that to the dozens of neo-fascist militias in Ukraine, it's ridiculous. The meme I've been sharing lately has the logos of the Azov and Svoboda, of course, that everybody knows. But then there's also the right sector, IDAR, OUN, UDA, uh, Corpus Battalion. And then there's a picture of, in there of a crowd of just random Bandera fans, like a whole crowd of people with a, a picture of Stepan Bandera right in front of them. And so, like, when you come at me with the Wagner Group, which, like I said, is, yes, a neo-Nazi militia in Russia, like, I have to laugh. It's like comparing your local weed dealers at your high school to, like, I don't know, the, the mafia or something, as far as like level of like organized crime. I guess just like, let me know when Russia has like secret operations to export fascist terrorism around the world and like their own KKK at home. 
You know what I mean? Like it, it just does not exist that way. It's not, it's not the same kind of thing. And let me know when they have like a global network of 800 military bases. And then we can talk about Russian fascism. We can talk about Russian imperialism. We can talk about Chinese imperialism, like whatever you want to talk about. But until then, it seems like a really weird time to bring all that stuff up, especially for people who claim to not be defending the U.S.'s interests. But that's all I have to say. You hand it off to Ward. You have a lot more. Go for it, buddy. Yeah, are those uh, Russian Nazis backed like by a country that's historically backed Nazis? Then they're probably not as bad as the other Nazis. Then they you know what I mean? Like, if China had like a long history, I will absolutely fight y'all on this point. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We don't agree. <laughs> I figured you would. <laughs> oh no. No. No, right. we don't agree, but we don't we don't have to make that up this episode all, about all that. Nazis the Nazis are definitely bad. I'm just the, yeah. I mean the US is empirically worse, but like even with the Wagner group, like they have supported Bashar al-Assad, who I see a lot of communists have quote critical support to. The Wagner group has also supported the newly installed Libyan government that ousted Gaddafi. Uh the Russians have also supported the Rusich Nazis and the Third Way Nazis. I mean it's it's a fucking shit show, but I will agree with you that the United States has a much longer history and far more development of right-wing Nazis and ultranationalists than Russia does. And I mean, that's like de facto our foreign policy. So I blame the U.S. far more than Russia, but Russia does not have my critical support. I guess just like the reason I even mention it is because the Wagner Group comes up as soon as you just point out the fact that Ukraine has all these neo-Nazi militias that have all these ties to the U.S. And that seems very relevant to this situation, especially when Putin is saying we want to denazify the Ukraine because this poses a threat to our national security to have the U.S. with all these fucking terrorist groups in their pocket. And mm-hmm. like, I guess what role does the Wagner group play either in Russia's national politic as far as them like maybe driving Russia to do anything the way that like Ukraine's far right movement would have in driving its national policy? Or what role does the Wagner Group have in the current situation? It's like, are they fighting the neo-Nazi militias in Ukraine? Because if so, fucking great. Like, I hope they fucking murk each other. Like, that's just a win-win. Like, that would be great, yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be I don't so think sick. Happening. I don't, think that's, I don't think it's relevant, but I just, it seems to me like it's very obvious that people are only bringing that up because it's a counter-argument that shuts people down who don't know enough about Ukraine to have anything beyond that. Oh, totally. Yeah. And the larger point is that the reason that there is a Nazi problem in Eastern Europe to begin with and why every side has to employ them is because of the United States. Yeah. But anyway. Go ahead, Ward. All right. So I went through because this shit's been fucking crazy. Yeah. So a couple takes since there's a whole plethora of just like ridiculous propaganda coming out. All the ghosts of Kiev, Sunflower Grandma, Snake Island shit isn't actually morale-boosting fodder for Ukrainians. It's fanciful lore-building slop specifically created with intent to turn Marvel-brained soy Americans into neocons, and it's working. (laughs) (laughs) What a sentence. Yeah, spot on, because you can go on Twitter or Reddit and see the countless libs making pop culture references for this conflict. What's up, Mike? I just cannot believe how fast it has taken over the entire internet. Like, I'm so used to armed conflicts happening that either do or don't involve the U.S. tangentially or whatever, but they never take over the entire internet this way. It's almost like the media only cares, and people only care when it's white people. 
almost mm-hmm. like those social media companies <laughs> are a big fucking military psyop. And like it was a intentional that like we migrated from websites that you had individual control over to everybody being on social media websites that now you're lucky if your posts get shown to everyone. Yeah. And so um, the childlike confidence of ignorance would be almost charming if it weren't for the fact that these are grown ass adults that should fucking know better. And here's some tweets of lib cringe. <laughs> this guy, let me make this perfectly clear. Putin is Emperor Palpatine. The Ukrainian people and all those who stand up for democracy around the world and here in America are Ray Skywalker, Jin Urso, and the Rebel Alliance. Pick your side. Uh, they're so dramatic. <sighs> let me make this perfectly clear. Louder for the people in the back. It's so embarrassing. Stop. Stop saying yeah. those things. It's fucking embarrassing. You sound stupid. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, they only know Harry Potter and Star Wars. That's it. I know. Oh, my God. I know. And they're usually using them in the wrong fucking way. God. You want to hear the Marvel Avengers lib cringe? Yeah. I saw this. How the Avengers would react to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. A thread. Captain America. Don't worry, guys. I've seen these Russians before. I've seen Stalin. Putin doesn't stand a chance. Throw shield at Russian soldiers, snapping his spine. Black Widow enters NATO headquarters. Head of NATO. Please save us, Black Widow. We, uh, we can give you anything you need. Black Widow, I only need one thing. NATO, what is it? Black Widow, courage. Oh, and a couple of guns if you can spare some. She wisecracks. And then, uh, the worst. I can't even. <sighs> Black Panther. <laughs> no. I know what it's like to avoid the world for all these years, like you've avoided President Zelensky. This is followed by thunderous Bombay chants as tens of thousands of Wakandans converge to the Ukrainian border. I hate it here. Yeah, yeah. I'm so tired. These people aren't real. The people that they're talking about aren't real. So you can push all of your, like, views off onto them. Like, I could get on there... And say something about the Blackwood. Like, you can just make shit up. It doesn't mean anything. Why are they saying this dumb shit? God, they're so cheesy. Yeah, um, I absolutely can't stand it. Like, the fucking armchair warriors that think, like, they're helping out so much by making these comparisons and, like, these yeah. fucking memes. Like, the fucking one with, like, Harry Potter wizards is, like, wands up for Ukraine. Like, <laughs> so insufferable Ew. to see. Oh. <laughs> what the fuck? Sorry, Ward. <laughs> I, I don't get the Marvel stuff. That stuff bores me. So move on to the Sunflower Seed chick, because uh, that, that stuff is me. That one I understand. All right. Oh, is yeah, that? So, oh, okay. Yeah. So the next part I got is propaganda. I hate how our national mythology is just a bunch of shit that's owned by Disney or J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Mm. Yep. <laughs> yep. Fuck me. I'm not even near drunk enough for this. <laughs> that's why I'm drinking. <laughs> Who's the girl that did the, like, poetry about being Putin's mom? I swear to God I'm going to die of secondhand embarrassment if I hear that again. She stands by it. She's not backing down. I saw. I fucking saw. Oh, my God. That's horrific. Hi. Yeah, I read an article, and she's got a bunch of horrific views where she was saying, like, she runs some sort of organization and she was saying like child sex trafficking is like a mindset or something like we are all in that mindset it doesn't make any fucking sense at all and yeah she seems fucking terrible and she doesn't care like she doesn't see anything wrong with it whenever people call her out it's insane Hmm. she's insane all right so like i was saying 
bunch of propaganda has come out of this conflict so far in the very few days it's been happening. Things like Ghost of Kiev, Sunflower Grandma, and Snake Island. And so I'm going to go through, I guess we can do Substack or something where I'll get all this info and all my sources compiled, but we'll run through it. Ghost of Kiev. Real quick, I just wanted to say, Caitlin, I thought for a second you were going to tell me that she was like, pro-female circumcision or something like I, I took me a second to think of the term but i thought you were gonna say something like that no but honestly if she was i wouldn't be surprised at all it just she seems like she's really ate up like she did too much acid or something and she just mm. like can't have a rational thought she's from which, georgia like... she's from atlanta Ugh. oh really? i saw her twitter page and uh because i was like who is this woman and i just googled her like her twitter page comes up and uh yeah i mean it's one of the cringiest videos i think i've seen in a long time but then if you like if you google yeah. her mdb page comes up she's she's gorgeous she's she is drop dead gorgeous like the, she's very she attractive get, she can get away with anything oh. like, <laughs> no that's not there's so many hot people in the world not saying this dumb shit i i have to say like i mean she's not my type anyway but her doing the putin thing Mm-mm. I could never think she was attractive after seeing when say, someone is say dumb shit to me again, himself. mommy. Just say it again. Say it again. <laughs> oh, no, no. All right. When Sorry, someone embarrasses yeah. themselves like that, mm-mm. you can't. <sighs> nah, that's all right. All right, go to Kiev. So there's rumors of an unknown Ukrainian pilot ace that tipped down six Russian jets in his MiG-29. Only problem with this is all the source for this are a lot of trust me bro, with the exception of some alleged footage of him that was even posted to the official Ukrainian pages. The problem with this footage is from a 2008 game called Digital Combat Simulator. <coughs> no, not real footage. <laughs> Our friend sent this th to us the other day, and like he's not, I, I'm not like trying to shit talk him because a lot of people don't know about what's going on, and I understand that, and they've been fed US propaganda their whole lives. So it is hard to, to like, it's hard to not see something and be like, yeah, no, that's right. It, it's hard to do that unless you're like at a place where we're at, where you realize like just how fucked up our government is and just how fucked up our media is because yeah. they're run by the government. So so yeah, our friend sent it to us and I immediately, like I had been holding back saying anything because I, I thought people knew that neo-Nazis were a huge problem in Ukraine. I thought that was like common knowledge. Doesn't seem like it. I know. And I was super surprised. So I've been like really quiet about it um, for a while until like two days ago where I just started like shit posting everything <laughs> that I thought. But um. <laughs> Because, yeah, our friend sent us that article and I immediately was like, he's probably a fucking neo-Nazi. And then our friend was like, well, I don't know. And I was like, well, if he's in the Ukrainian military, he probably is. And then I went on my rant. Yeah, it just, that's very funny to hear because whenever I read that, I mean, I just assumed that it was real, but that he was just like a neo-Nazi. But it's very funny to hear that it wasn't real at all. And it doesn't surprise me at all. Thank you, Caitlin, for bringing that up. Like, that is my actual big takeaway from the last few days that I should have put in, in my little addendum notes, which is that I want to say that I'm surprised at how many liberals and apolitical people are just openly supporting some neo-Nazis. Uh, but I, I can't really say that I'm surprised because that's yeah. literally what we have a podcast about. We have an episode about that exact situation happening over and over again in every capitalist country for as long as it's been going on. And so this is our event where I'm seeing like people that I know 
friends of mine and everything like supporting Ukraine because they just don't know any better. And then if I try to explain it to them, their default position is like, well, like, it seems like you've looked into this a lot more than me, but I'm just going to keep supporting the fascists because that's what the news says. And it's like, all right, then I guess we can't talk about this anymore. I'm sorry. Like, (laughs) that's what's so frustrating is when presented with new information, like instead of I just feel like as an adult, you should understand like cognitive dissonance and understand that like when presented with new information, yeah, you're going to be uncomfortable, but like you don't have to immediately defend fucking neo-Nazis and be yeah. like, well, I don't know if that's true. Like, you know, I it's just so weird to see people like making up excuses. I've just been disappointed in my friends and like people that I thought were pretty cool and pretty leftist, like defending literal neo-Nazis. I mean... Oh, oof, yeah. It, and it is just like, it seems like it's their knee-jerk reaction to be like, no, I can't possibly defend, or I can't possibly support neo-Nazis, so you're wrong, and what you're telling me isn't true, and it's just yeah. frustrating. Would you say that it's Marxist propaganda? I've never heard fascists say that before. Like, <laughs> so I, I do have to ask, so Ward, were they, because uh, I... I don't pay attention to U.S. media any more than I have to. Do they do this Ghost of Kiev story here in the States, too? Oh, it's, like, all over Twitter and Reddit. Oh, dude, it's and like that. It's fucking huge. Yeah, and it's, it's, big. Just, it's, it's a big just story. From a fucking video game. Yeah, it's fantastic, right? They could have at least done a deep fake. Like, I'm a little surprised, because ah. it's, like, if that's so low effort. Mm-hmm. Like... It's just, it's funny to me because like you hear about how people are just like, oh, well, you know, they faked the moon landing and all this shit. And there was a high budget thing. And you're telling me that they grabbed some screenshot from like a 2008 video game and everybody's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, you know, that's exactly what I'm fucking telling you is 2008 video game fooled like everybody. <laughs> what's really going to suck is when the midterms even, because it, that's what's going to happen is like the Republicans are going to use this to their advantage. They're going to say. When shit like this comes out, they're going to say, oh, it was the Democrats who were supporting the neo-Nazi battalions and using the fake footage to get you to support them. And it was <laughs> I mean, us Republicans all along. Like, it's they're, going they're to They're not happen. fucking wrong. It's a frustrating thing. Yes. It's like Cullen today was saying, like, yeah, I mean, the only people who are kind of agreeing with us. And I was like, are leftists? And he was like, well, yeah. And and also, like, all the people on Fox News and, like, all the conservatives. I'm like, yeah, they're not fucking wrong. And it's embarrassing to, well, like, they're, have They're any right for all the wrong reasons because yes, they... They're not right in good faith. They're just... They don't care that they're fucking neo-Nazis. They just want to get one over on the Democrats. And they love Putin and they want to... Well, they're not the even doing that yet. Yeah. Like, they haven't really caught on to the Ukrainians or neo-Nazis angle yet, I don't think. So far, they're just... Oh, have they? Because I don't, I don't watch yes. conservative media. Yes, I don't they know. have. Okay, <laughs> yes, they have. <laughs> I thought that their support for Putin was mostly just seeing Biden look bad. That, that's how I understood it. Was. Yeah. Well, that's not no, hard they, to do. Correct. <laughs> he can't form a sentence. Yeah, no, they, they've taken on the, the neo-Nazi angle. And... Well, good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, good. They're just... They don't really care that they're fucking neo-Nazis. They no. just want to be like, see, look, you liberals support neo-Nazis and... I mean, the liberals are supporting neo-Nazis, so... Who could have seen that coming? Yeah, (laughs) it's never happened in history. That was actually the first time I came on this podcast is I got super drunk and explained angrily how liberals facilitate fascism, and here we are. Yep. Look at that. Yeah. 
So you can blame all of this Ukraine conflict on Jaren. He cursed us. Yep. <laughs> it's a it's Jewish conspiracy. Fault. It's been one the whole time. <laughs> you can stop it at any time with his space lasers, but refuses to. Yep. Every day we allow Marjorie Taylor Greene to keep breathing. Yep. Yep. What else you got, Ward? Uh, next up is uh, Snake Island. You guys probably heard about the Snake Island or the Snake Island 13. Kevin, I'm so excited for this one. So Snake Island is an island off the coast of Ukraine. Russian forces took over the island. What makes this story like such a story that fucking got everywhere? There's supposed audio recording of a Russian warship hailing out to the island, telling them to lay down their arms and surrender. On this recording, the Ukrainian troops allegedly responded, Russian warship, go fuck yourself. Then proceeded to die heroically, defending the island with no remaining survivors. Not just an online rumor, though. Official statement from Ukraine was that this happened. Same as the ghost of Kiev, like official statements from Ukraine saying this is real. But the problem is the dudes on the island surrendered and are still totally alive and were brought to Zvestopol. There's even video of them surrendering to Russian forces. Yeah, those dudes are alive. There's even tribute videos that were made to honor these brave dead Ukrainian soldiers like floating around on like Reddit and Twitter. They're hanging out, having drinks with the eight Uyghur Muslims that keep getting cited as murder victims of the, uh, the camps in China. <laughs> yeah, they're all suffering from Havana syndrome. They'll be better soon. They keep saying on video, hey, I'm alive. I'm fine. We're just, like, shut up. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, I don't see you guys. I can't hear you. <laughs> no, I don't see you at all. La, 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 <laughs> la. Uh, Sunflower Grandma. Basically, shit's fake as fuck. The picture with the caption, fake as fuck. The video, staged as fuck. It's just upsetting. I'm not even going to really... I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> of course. Of course it is. Every yeah. fucking Redditor thinks they're the cleverest motherfucker in the world by commenting the sunflower emoji. Every time mm-hmm. there's like a video of like some Russian... Uh, any kind of unit, whether it's a tank, an individual, a personnel carrier, anything, just like losing in any way. Everything's sunflowers. It's like, okay, I, I get it. You guys are all like the kings of comedy, cutting and pasting the same joke over and over again. Yeah. Um, next up, photos of Zelensky wearing body armor, uh, supposedly fighting the good fight on the front lines, even though he supposedly stayed in Kiev, but people were still saying he was in Kiev almost a day after he left Kiev. It was verified. But either way, there's shit tons of pictures of him rolling around in body armor. Everybody's like simping for him super hard, calling him such a Chad. Fosh saying something, how he's going to fucking become like the next great war hero. Crazy shit. But anyways, all those fucking pictures are not fucking real. Well, they're real pictures. They're just not from now. They're not from this fucking conflict. They're from uh, April 9th, 2021 in the Donbass region. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. It's funny because like a quick Google image search, literally pasting that image into Google search would return results that are from previous to this conflict. And you'd be like, oh, this is bullshit. Well, and I I think that touches on the larger point that no one seems to want to talk about, which is that Ukraine has been shelling the shit out of both republics this entire time. Yeah. The whole time. And not just military targets, like schools, hospitals, neighborhoods, whatever the fuck they wanted to shell, they've been shelling in the Eastern Republics. And the Eastern Republics have been, you know, retaliating, for sure. But it's just been constant warfare against them for the past eight years. And then you see, like, 
and all of this is unprovoked from Russia. And it's just like, well, that's that is so lacking context. I mean, not only is there a military base there, but there's a shitload of Russian nationals. You know, that would be like somebody going to Guam and just hitting it over and over and over and over and over again and expecting the U.S. to do nothing. I mean, that's a response, right? If somebody comes up to you and they because no one's even bothering to do this to me, I guess I'm lucky. It's just like when people say to you, like, oh, but I'm seeing all these people being killed on TV, like all these horrible, tragic stories of these women and children, you know, all these victims of uh, evil Russia and Putin, like this fucking madman, dictator, tyrant or whatever. And it's like, it's not what about us to say that the U.S. and the Ukraine have been doing exactly this for longer and to many more people. It's not like, well, what about this? It's like, it's literally far more. It's a much more magnitude of crime. And that's what this is a response to. And that's what this is trying to end. And it's like, yeah, of course, innocent people are being hurt and killed. But it's like, why do you think it is that you are being flooded with the images of these and you have not heard about any of the other people that this has been happening to for years or is currently happening to? Like, currently, the U.S. is bombing other countries right now and killing more women and children than what is happening in Ukraine. But you are not hearing about that. And that is kind of the problem that we're trying to address is that your outrage is, dare I say, your consent is manufactured. Like. <laughs> It's just, yeah. it, it, it is curated for you by this bubble, and it's unfortunate. I don't know. Yeah, you're seeing a lot of people that care a lot about Ukraine now, but never fucking talked about what was happening in the Donbass region for the last eight years. Yeah. Uh, next up, there's, there's a few news articles going around, and I saw a bunch of shit on Twitter and Reddit about it. Uh, supposedly, Russian spec ops arrested by Ukrainian police impersonating Ukrainian spec ops. There's photos of it. Supposed Russian spec ops laying prone, being arrested by Ukrainian police. Conflicting ports would indicate that they are actually Ukrainian spec ops that were arrested by Ukrainian police while trying to desert. Which would absolutely make sense considering every single piece of their kit is Ukrainian, including their weapons. And what the fuck are the odds that Russian Spetsnaz would willingly surrender to a police force? Like, just not happening. Mm. They would take the cyanide pills, right? It, it, like, first off, they wouldn't be running fucking these fucking shitty guns right here. Not Russia's best nice. <laughs> Even if they're trying to impersonate, they would not run that shit. I didn't have the image. I'm sorry. I should probably look at it so I can tell. Yeah, I got in the uh, Ukraine notes here, and then uh, we can figure out a way to post it so it's accessible to everybody listening. Yeah, it's like uh, these guys on the dock, pile of weapons. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't know them well enough to tell. What are those? I can't remember the name off the top, but it's... Those bullpup rifles are commonly associated with uh, Ukrainian special forces. You got those, a couple AR-10 platforms. Are they um, Tavors? They're not. But, the, they're not the. No, they're not Tavors ex- exactly. They're close though. Either way, I don't think Russians would be using like a mock as really weapon. Yeah. No. And then they got a couple AR-10 platforms, which like this is not anything that Russian special forces would be using. They have an AK-74. Yeah. Like. Top tier who is using Israeli <laughs> weapons, though, would be Azov Battalion. Mm-hmm. Well, they, uh, they are. Which is some really dark irony there. So that's basically it for all of the rumors and propaganda. I got three cases I want to cover that's been uh, documented, basically, of Nazis in Ukraine. There's been a video of Azov uh, stopping civilian vehicles and shooting unarmed civilians trying to leave. Can you say that? Mariupol? Mm-hmm. Have service on Telegram because you can't really post them to Twitter or anywhere else. I think I've seen a couple of them on Reddit now, which if you've been pay- paying attention, 
is the location Azov soldiers told the Russian forces where they would be waiting for a fight. It's the commonly known location for Azov, and they're just shooting people trying to leave. Unarmed men and women. Another video of Azov in Kiev shows them pulling an unarmed man out of his vehicle and killing him while one of the Nazis fumbles with his rifle to film the dying man he just shot. And that video is on, I found on Telegram. It's on Reddit now as well. And then the last one, a more recent video published. Uh, there's actually a few articles about this now. Um, Azov fighters shown dipping rounds, um, bullets into pork lard, threatening Chechen forces and referring to them as orcs. Like, you know, that super Islamophobic shit the U.S. was doing a while back with, like, pig blood bullets you, you could buy from a company in Idaho. And then that fucking general that Trump was quoting all the time about dipping bullets in pork blood. Yeah, it's... Word I saw um, yesterday, and, it, and this is from a Discord server, and it's still a screenshot of an email, so I don't know how reliable it is, but I'll read it anyway, just because it's an alternative point of view. Someone who claims to be from... In Kiev, says, last night in Kiev, shootings on streets all night, no Russians landed, just regular infighting and friendly fire. Ukraine's authorities first claim there were alleged Russian saboteurs dressed in Ukrainian uniforms. Then they give out guns for civilians. Anybody, without checking papers or any proof of loyalty. All night, Ukrainian cops shoot at Ukrainian security forces throughout the city. Civilian militias fight with other civilian militias. Some shops, gas stations are robbed with those guns. A family with children which tried to evacuate was shot by militias. They confused their car for a, quote, saboteur's car. Nationalist militias are running all over the city, shooting at their colleagues like in an internet game. No Russians appeared in Kiev, but there are dozens killed in that friendly fire. All those thousands of guns and arms will appear on the black market. This will be a problem for any Ukrainian government then, but seemingly Zelensky doesn't care about any of that. So it's like, even if that is a completely unreliable source, those are actual problems that can and will happen in Ukraine. It's like, you're handing out all these arms without like any kind of documentation. That's going to be used in like some bad ways that you're not foreseeing and planning for. It's like it's it's fucked up. Go ahead, Ward. Sorry. Yeah. So even after it was reported that like they armed a shit ton of fucking people, and before reports came out that Ukrainians were using those guns on Ukrainians, there's already like several documented cases of it happening before like the official reports were came came out. Like when you mentioned that saboteur vehicle. It was like some irregular militia just got fucking guns. Family just driving their SUV. They just fucking shot them up. Like, several cases of that. I had a few more listed. I can't remember them off the top, but I think I saw at least three or four cases of it happening before official reports came out that that shit was happening. And it's just gotten increasingly worse. But there have even been people on Reddit, like accounts of people... TikTok and all the social media sites saying like I'm in such and such city in Ukraine and I'm trying to evacuate and they're taking women and children first then white men and then all the people of color after that like they're literally just doing like fucking racist shit out in the open and people are like still skeptical when you say that there's a lot of fucking neo-Nazi militias in Ukraine and that maybe it's problematic that we're arming and supporting them but whatever Jaron you had a, a long thing though go ahead no I mean the the larger point though is like when you're looking at a conflict like this take for example, the level of political illiteracy that you see in the United States and apply it to any civilian populace. Even though these people are in Ukraine, you have to remember that the majority of folks are working class. The majority of folks have a nine to five. They want to come home, chill with their kids. They don't want to do all this research, even into what's happening in their own country. 
and I'll go ahead and beat Ward to the punch here or whoever would bring it up, is like, yeah, there are anarchist militias that are actively helping neo-Nazis right now. That's happening in Ukraine. And I wasn't going to mention it. I was no, no, I think it, it, fu- no, it fucking should be mentioned because we're looking at people who are, to me, branded as anarchists, and maybe they are, but they're reactionaries is what they're doing. They're not taking into account the entire plethora of the political landscape and what it means to put themselves in alliance with these people. And I'm not making excuses for them because fuck them for thinking that a Nazi is your goddamn ally. They never are. They never are. But like the larger point to me is the political and personal inertia behind such a complicated conflict. That's the point. That was the point of the U.S. arming them. That was the point of the U.S. going into Libya and causing chaos or pick your nation of choice. The instability is the point. The complicated bullshit is the point. It's the point because it takes a superpower or NATO to come in and nullify it. And it just so happens that that superpower in this case was Russia instead of the United States. And that's what the United States is pissed about is because somebody did it before we did. Yeah. Did you, you saw that thing, uh, the, uh, what is it? Crime thing? Anarchists Mm -hmm. that joined Azov, like their excuse for why they joined Azov. It was because it was convenient and open to everyone. Except for, (laughs) except for anyone that disagrees with them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, like that's, that is not something that I will critically defend. Fuck them. You are my enemy too. And I mean, to clarify, when I said critical support for Russia or Putin earlier, it's like literally in as much as they kill other neo-Nazis. Like that is it. And, And I clarified it earlier. I said like, I don't have to support anything else that Putin or the Russian Federation does other than murk a bunch of other neo-Nazis, but like, that's it. That's the only thing I support them doing. And if they're doing a lot of that by demilitarizing Ukraine, mm-hmm. that, that's fine. I'm, I'm really okay with that. Yeah, like, if the whole thing that happens is like what Putin is saying is it's demilitarization of Ukraine, I'm absolutely in support of that. Agreed. Like, that doesn't include whether or not, like, Russia does some fucking war crimes, which is something that will probably inevitably happen. That doesn't mean I fucking support that. Yeah. Like, no. As long as he sticks to that, I support it. If he fucking veers from that, he's not going to have my support in this. I don't fucking like Putin. Yeah. You know? This fucking crazy shit makes me look like I support Putin, but I fucking so don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I do like memeing. I like the why Putin memes a lot. But, like, other than that, like, I don't really know. I don't have any love for Putin. Fuck that. Like... I mean, the, the honest truth, though, is like the U.S. has destabilized and cooed. I don't even know how many countries since the Soviet Union fell. And the rest of them are sort of under this like gunship diplomacy fucking bullshit. And Russia, like it's a kleptocratic hellhole filled with mafia bosses in government positions. But they haven't really done what the U.S. has done. So like, <laughs> yeah. I know who I trust a little more when they say that they're doing one thing. Because my entire 33 years on this planet, I've gotten nothing but lies from the country that I live in. And also, like, I truly think, and I know we were wrong about the Russia won't invade prediction, but like Russia, if they chose to take a NATO country, like, you know, actual Russian expansionism, that would mean nuclear war. And I honestly don't think that that's something that anyone on the planet, world leaders included, really want to risk. Yeah, something that 
came out like i think right before we started this is that uh reports that eu's i don't know let me uh, see if it's confirmed or not but uh that the eu is gonna supply fighter jets to ukraine which is something putin explicitly said would be taken as a hostile threat so things may be getting worse Ward, I've gone through everything that I have. I don't know if we've gone through all the notes that you brought, but then if Jared... um, that's basically all my stuff. But uh, I also linked a Caitlin Johnstone article, and it was okay. the uh, her article. Experts warned for na- years that NATO expansion would lead to this. It's got like a bunch of different like clips and like quotes from different experts warning about exactly this. Yeah, she mainly just compiled a bunch of expert quotes over the years about how NATO expansion would lead to exactly this kind of situation. And she put it in like a comprehensible format. It's nice. Like if you want to fucking debate with somebody and be like, it's NATO expansion's fault. You can fucking pull from this article right here. A bunch of different quotes from experts. Bookmarking this one, buddy. Yeah. Uh, George Kennan, right after the U S Senate approved NATO expansion all the way back in 1998. I think it is the beginning of a new cold war. I think the Russians will gradually react quite adversely and it will affect their policies. I think it is a tragic mistake. There was no reason for this whatsoever. No one was threatening anybody else. This expansion would make the founding fathers of this country turn over in their graves. Of course, there is going to be a bad reaction from Russia. And then the NATO expanders will say that we have always told you how the Russians are. But this is just wrong. Interesting. Gaslighting. Especially interesting um, because... That's what's going on right now in liberal media. If you, if you watch, if you just turn on MSNBC, CNN, every person who's commenting on the Ukraine situation is James Clapper, like John Bolton. It's like CIA director Mick Warmonger. Like every single fucking one of them is like the biggest fucking warhead you've ever seen. Why are these the only people? Why aren't there any journalists? Why aren't there like people who like are Ukraine? It's fucking ridiculous to me. Like all the input is coming from the people who benefit the most from this turning into World War III. Yeah. Um, Here's CIA director, now CIA director, William Burns, in 2008 memo to then-Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice. Ukrainian entry into NATO is the brightest of all red lines for the Russian elite, not just Putin. In more than two and a half years of conversations with key Russian players, from knuckle-draggers in the dark recesses of the Kremlin to Putin's sharpest liberal critics, I have yet to find anyone whose views on Ukraine in NATO as anything other than a direct challenge to Russian interests. Like, they know exactly what they're doing. Also, to boot, as of uh, February 26th, 52-week high on the stocks for General Dynamics, Lockheed Martin, Northup Grumman, and Raytheon. Ah, color me shocked. Chapo nailed it early on when the Ukraine thing started heating up at all. And they said, why does NATO still exist? Like, the Soviet Union ended in 1991. Like, why does NATO still exist? There's no real reason for it. But whatever. If you mention that you're a tanky and you, you fucking love Putin. I mean, I mean, look, there's... I could, I could even perform a little mental gymnastic to say Russia's huge and has nukes. So, like, NATO membership, the original NATO members, maybe they wanted to stay together for another decade. Like, I, I could somehow rationalize that in my head. But to expand eastward with over a dozen new nations after the Soviet Union's gone, there's no way to rationalize that. I would prefer to see NATO gone completely. But if it had just stayed static, like capped the membership, 
Like, that would have been something, for fuck's sake. All right, well, is that it for our uh, addendum? Yeah, I was just looking through the rest of them. The other ones aren't as snappy as those, but... I'm just blown away by the, the video game thing, honestly. Yeah, right? Jaron, I didn't ask you if you had any, like, notes or any overall takes that you wanted to get out or anything. No, no, honestly, I, I, I came on here to hear Ward's research on these and also uh, admittedly Same. to condemn anarchists that think that working with Nazis is a fucking cool thing because fuck <laughs> you, and you're a fucking Nazi too. Uh, Who were those anarchists? Were those am, the bad am I ones? Gone? Okay. Well, apparently <laughs> the bad ones. Yeah, basically, <laughs> if it's not Jaren, I categorize them as bad anarchists. But that's like a really broad brush I paint with. I'm not. I'll be the first one to Look, agree. They're admit. they're probably the ones that if we're, they were here, they'd be hanging out with Duncan. Like, let's mm. be real. Oh, yeah. Dude, Democratic confederalism, bro. It's the way, man. It's great. I mean, are they Ukrainian anarchists? <laughs> or was it no, like... No, these are American anarchists that okay. went over and joined with the Azov Battalion to fight. Oh, fuck yourself. Jesus fucking Christ. I didn't even look at I saw that one of you posted that, and I like didn't yeah, even I think, look at I think I posted about I, it. My brain can't handle this. Any chance I could shit on anarchists? You should have just stayed your ass here and helped homeless people, you fucking cunts. Right? <laughs> 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 help some homeless people you don't need to go to Ukraine and help Nazis oh my god hand out food I wonder if those dudes would come back and still be like dude tankies are, the, are worse than Nazis they're gonna try and justify and say mm -hmm. like Azos are actually kind of Zapatista in the way that they're operating it's like nobody yeah. Yeah, right right yeah, Nazi syndicalism alright yeah just some like non-hierarchical like bro Azov something like that you know no, we're uh, all, there is no hierarchy <laughs> except <laughs> white people. Yeah, I was trying oh. to be like Rojava, but Azov, I don't know. <laughs> that was one thing that I wanted to air out and then I'm done. It's so funny to me that like the, the liberal perception of like Israel fucking taking more and more land away from West Bank and they're like, oh, well, you know, they have to do that. And then like these independent, like they're, they're preserving Ukraine's sanctity. Like, there's such a double standard there, and it's like, you guys seem to care a lot more about national borders when it's white people, and you seem to care a lot less about anti-Semitism when it's white people. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, mm -hmm. Another good one in that regard is when liberals shit on Palestinians for, like, supposedly using, like, civilian shields and, like, setting up their, like, rocket launchers in, like, high, like density population areas but like they praise it when fucking they see the ukrainian forces setting up fucking multiple launch rocket systems between like a mcdonald's and a fucking school like Weird. they think that's fine because that's how you defend a city yeah quote yeah. unquote from a few things i've seen but like it's it's totally. so terrible if it happens in palestine those people are brown ward <laughs> that's the real tea yeah basically well, Jaren's got to go. Yeah. So let's set, suffice to say call. that anything else that we got to put in there is going to be in the show notes. So that will wrap it up for the addendum for our Ukraine episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care, comrades. Later, y'all. Love your word. Goodbye. <laughs> Later, Jaren. Bye, Jaren. <laughs>